Welcome to the Cincy Postcast. I'm your host, Kevin Wallace, and before we dive into today's episode, I want to tell you about our friends at the Empanadas Box. The Empanadas Box is a small, family-owned restaurant owned by natives of Buenos Aires, Argentina, and they have Argentine-style empanadas with 22 other globally-inspired flavors available every single day. Looking for a suggestion? Well, how about the Oktoberfest empanada with bratwurst from LK Sausage? It also has cabbage, carrots, onion, and mustard that is only available in the month of September. Their empanadas are available for dine-in and carry-out, but the pro move here is to get a box of frozen ones to take home. You can also find them in your favorite food delivery app. You can check them out online at theempanadasbox.com or check the link down in the description. You can find more information there, including information on their catering options for lunches, parties, and more. And a special offer to listeners of the Postcast, well, they're offering 10% off your order at their Covington, Kentucky location if you mention the Postcast at checkout. They're at 212 West Pike Street in Covington, and I am happy to report that the staff there are incredibly nice and the Food is top notch. If you've been listening to the postcast, you know we've been talking these guys up well before they were a sponsor of the postcast. So again, special thanks to the Empanadas Box. Incredible folks there. And if you go to their Covington, Kentucky location, they'll get you 10% off for mentioning the postcast. On, on this episode of the postcast, well, things get a little off the rails because folks, we are into the international break, the last little break before the home stretch to see out the regular season in MLS. So, of course, things get a little weird in this episode. In part one, it is FC Cincinnati news along with some MLS news and especially MLS news with FCC implications. In part two, we're joined by John Horlander, communications manager for FC Cincinnati, for a uh, little chat about what he does at the club, his sort of uh, route into the sport and into the club, and uh, looking ahead at the season and what it's like managing the comms during such a wild season for SEC. And then we wrap it all up in the 11 out of the 18 throwback, and that's going to be your postcast. Joining me to talk about all of that and more, I'm joined by the one and only, and I do mean only, Chief, or the Chief. Chief, how are we doing tonight? Well, I'm glad I showed up. Otherwise, it would have been a really lonely podcast for you. (laughs) (laughs) Just the postcast one-man show. Um, There have been times in the past where schedules didn't work out and it was sort of a bye week or we've been in the off-season. I've debated, I've debated a solo show. I can't bring myself to torture people doing that. (laughs) No, uh, the the solo podcast is kind of like the one-man show in um, theater. Hey, we're talking theater and Grayson's not even here today. Wow. It it, it takes a certain lack of self-awareness to pull something like that off. And that's not to say it isn't good. I'm sure there are a lot of good one man shows and a lot of good one man podcasts. I know Bill Burr does a one man podcast. It's 
pretty good. But yeah. that first initial hurdle of I'm just going to talk into this microphone by myself to no one. And people are going to listen to that and love that. That takes an ego and a lack of self-awareness that I I can't muster that up. That's a, that's a bridge too far for me. <laughs> I um I can't say I've attended many uh one man shows in my life but what I I can only imagine a one man show is just a stand up show that isn't funny right, right. like that's that's okay <laughs> <laughs> It's just it's I I don't have the I don't have anything interesting to say in terms of comedic value so <laughs> I'm going to lean into the unfunny of this and say no you don't understand it's dramatic. Right, right. This is like I I'll go as far as like Mike Berbiglia. That's great. Still technically stand up does certainly veer into one man show territory. Don't get me wrong, but like I'm there. If you go any further than that, I think I'm out. I don't know <laughs> just, if I can do it. <laughs> I just I feel like at some point you would especially in a drama where you're not getting the feedback of laughter, like at least you're a stand up comedian. You can hear if a joke is hitting. Right. You can hear if you're, you know, oh, I am funny. Listen to the reaction on that. If you're doing a one man show and you're getting nothing from the audience the entire time <laughs> sitting in rapt attention, at some point I would just be like, I I can't do this anymore. Please, please clap if you're sad now. Some, like, some, <laughs> do something. Tell me that you're still paying attention to this. Like, I mean, you think about it. It's not too dissimilar than from like a radio DJ who's just like cracking wise with themselves. I feel like most decent radio setups at least give you like a producer in the back that you might hear laughing or something, but like, right. yeah, I think I that's know. actually the job of the producer, isn't it? That you got to laugh at all the shitty jokes the <laughs> DJ makes so that he doesn't feel self-conscious about that. You can't be focused on anything else. You got to be making eye contact so that they know there's somebody else paying attention or you just start veering off. <laughs> I also think that like when you're a radio DJ to a certain extent that you overcome that feeling inside by focusing all your time and energy on having the awful radio DJ voice. Like you have to, you put so much effort into being like, Hey, back in the top spot this week is Taylor Swift with shake it off. Like doing that takes up so much mental energy. You don't realize what it showed. You sound like doing it. You know, like in the uh, in the twenties and thirties, they had like standard, right? Like you had to learn standard oh, if the, you wanted the to mid -Atlantic, make it. Or what was it? The yeah, the mid Atlantic. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But like, there's got to be like a phrase or terminology for like that DJ voice. Like that is a trained accent that we have. You know, hundreds, thousands of professionals have nailed down, and it is a big part of their job. I don't may I probably just haven't come across it, but I don't know the, the word or the term for it. I don't know. I don't know. Gotta, it's gotta be out there. It's There's gotta a, be out somebody. There. If you're if you're a if you're a bad radio DJ, if you're like a bad <laughs> What are you doing? <laughs> to, hit, hit us up on the postcast and let us know what's going on. You know what the thing is though, is that actually it's funny if a radio DJ was listening to this because there is a very specific terminology in radio DJing for when you talk right up until the moment the words start in a song. Ooh. So you know how you've got that like musical interlude yes. at the front where it's like, you know, remember you'll have weather on the tens and twos coming up at the top of the hour. Later on, remember for the phrase that pays when you call in, you can be <laughs> caller number 15 and win a chance to win a brand new Ford F-150. And then the, the song starts right there. Boom. They call that in the biz hitting the post. 
What? Hey. hey. Um. See, I have the uh, the the ability to line up the music exactly to when I finish my sentence for when I need the uh, the yeah. drum kick to hit when the uh, when, when, uh, the when Jim Trace hits in. Yeah. yeah, it's it's way easier after the fact. They should do more radio just pre-taped, like days in advance. Yeah. The music isn't changing, folks. <laughs> Spoiler alert: there is a lot of radio that's completely pre-taped. <laughs> so, like, did everyone in life that would have otherwise been like an awful mid-market jock doing afternoon drive is the new version of that the instead of uh you know hey smash that like and subscribe button is that the new version (laughs) of that Ooh, i like it yeah like the youtuber energy of like hey folks we got a discord channel you can join the community and yeah no for sure no yeah now we're getting too close to home here i think oh, on God, this one. hang on wait a second <laughs> am i like subscribe I? leave a review and tell your friends if they're fc cincinnati fans where you can find all of this electric content the postcincy.com but also please do <laughs> yeah, pretty pretty please um why now to take us, I don't to, know now to take us to break it's jim trace and the makers with radio <laughs> Oh my God! It is that. What happened? <laughs> Folks, just, we're we're in off season mode right now because there isn't shit going on with this just, team. <laughs> this podcast is the worst radio station. I tell you what, they play the same three songs and just seconds of them. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, Chief, you're right. We are we are in the international break, which is, for all intents and purposes, the off season. At least for the next week and a half. Yeah. Or the international, so. the international break, much like international waters, <laughs> tends to lead itself to a lack of rules and some content piracy, where if there's something out there for us to talk about, we will steal shamelessly in order to find something, anything to keep this show going. Because I don't know if you're aware of this now, Kevin. Mm. Um, last year, I'm going to take you back to the before time. Okay. All right. So you, our dear friend Grayson, who can't be with us this evening. And I, we, we had a conversation and we said to our, we said to the group, should we keep this podcast going during the off season? (laughs) And for some stupid reason, we decided, yes, that we will continue to provide you, the dear listeners with mediocre soccer content so that all 12 of you can get your fix. Even when FC Cincinnati isn't playing. Yes. We made that choice. Then flash forward to now. We have sponsors that we have to <laughs> that we have to appease. There is no option to stop doing the show. We we've painted ourselves into a corner. What have we done? I think the most stunning thing about that, and again, this is truly off-season content here, is that the listenership went up. Like downloads went up through that off season and it didn't make sense to me that there right. was no FCC content. The, the only conclusion I was able to draw was that there were more fans of the Super Mario Brothers movie from the 1990s than there were FC Cincinnati fans because we did more listeners for our Super Mario Brothers episode than we did for actual game recaps during the middle of last season. Why? Exactly. That is exactly what happened. God, it reminds me of um, back when the the Onion used to do YouTube videos, which was the single greatest YouTube channel of all time. They they stopped posting things maybe ten years ago now. But if you go back, there is a like CNN knockoff show 
um, like hardball knockoff show where there's a panel of four guests, but they're doing that stupid debate thing where the live studio audience gets to twist a knob as to whether or not they like <laughs> what the panelist is saying. And it just slowly devolves to where they all figure out that the people behind the knobs just really like the word post office. And the more they just say post office, the higher their rating goes. And the whole thing just evolves to all four of them just saying post office. I, th- I might be wrong on the word, but they, they narrow in on one word. I just keep saying over and over again. Oh, God. I think about that all the time when it comes to like market research. When the debates come up, that video pops up. It's just the funniest thing. The, the, word, the word you're looking for for us is... Empanadas. Empanadas. When the word empanadas comes, the knobs start the knobs. dialing up. Empanadas and shirts. Empanadas and shirts. Start trending way up. <laughs> Let's go, oh, baby. Man. Well, off-season mode or not, we should still talk about what little what little crumbs of FCC news have, have fallen out of Gary's mouth into our into our bowls here. Um <laughs> Chief, let's start off with this one. Uh, since the last time we recorded, I believe, uh, we found out one Aaron Bupenza did, in fact, get an international call-up to represent Gabon internationally for African Cup of Nations qualifiers. Are you excited about this news? No. I mean, this is a tough one to answer because, on one hand, like, look, I never, ever want to begrudge a player playing international soccer. It's I understand that for all of these players playing for your national team, it means something. It's something that honestly, I'll never experience. There will never be a case where I will be podcasting for my country. There will never I will never be called up to do anything on behalf of of. America. It's just I'm never going to the closest I will ever come to representing America is like if I get sent to federal prison sometime, (laughs) which I probably will deserve if that ever does come to pass. Um, So, no, I I don't I don't dislike that from that standpoint. Here's where it tell me if I'm off base on this, because I've been known to be off base frequently on this show. Number one, I was kind of hoping He'd stick around Cincinnati to keep working with the team, keep working with his teammates that are still here, because there still are some communication issues that you're seeing on the field. And whether or not those are fixable with more time, more training, more time Mm -hmm. on the training pitch, I don't know. But I would like to think that more time spent with his teammates at Mercy Health would only benefit Aaron Bapenza. And and then here's the other one that like I'm I'm keeping an eye on here is that we Mm. talked about this on the podcast before Mm -hmm. and Gabon is in the midst of some serious geopolitical turmoil. I believe that there was a a military coup that took place in the country. And I'm not well versed enough on the sociopolitical situation in Gabon to know who I should side with, whether this is a Mm. good coup or a bad coup because they 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 do cut both ways sometimes. Yes. Um turns out the government not always the good guy in <laughs> these kind of stories. But when you hear things like this, the first thought I immediately have is how this impacts his visa situation and as we've learned, 
when players leave the United States, <laughs> yeah, sometimes we find out that there are things that aren't great about getting them back into the country. And maybe this is a completely overgrown fear, but just given the political situation in Gabon, given the fact that he's not traveling there, he's traveling yeah. to another country where this game is taking place, which is good, I think. Mauritania. I just looked up how to pronounce that. <laughs> right. That would be one of the countries on the old where in the world is Carmen San Diego game where the kid would be like, you know what? Just let somebody else have the trip to, to I don't Iowa. Know this one. <laughs> I don't know this one. Just throw the marker down anywhere and just take my disappointed look from Rockapella. Um, I just I don't. I, I worry a little bit about that because he did have visa issues getting here originally. And I think he yep. was delayed by a couple of weeks. And I, if I remember the story correctly, I don't know if we told this one publicly, but like we were told that the people who process the visas in Gabon, they only work like one day a week <laughs> or something like that. And like, Hell if yeah. You, yeah. So it's like if, <laughs> if, if, the, if you get there a day late, like if they're open on a Monday and right. you submit it on a Tuesday, you're just chilling until, you know, the guy shows back up for work next Monday. There was something something screwy like that. I remember with the story that we heard whispered around. And so I, I do. I'm happy for him, but I, I do worry a little bit about the international situation with him. Yeah. Am I off no. on that? Am I wild? Am I out of, out of, out of pocket on this? No. Um, I think it was weird that he didn't have the call up immediately. Uh, I don't know if, if Congo just, uh, you know, announced there's later or whatever. Um, uh, but I thought that was a little odd. And then, yeah, I, I think this is absolutely fair, uh, given the visa history and sure, Every MLS reporter and every reporter around FCC loves to point out other teams have visa issue too, visas issues too. But um, I'd also be worried if I was a fan of another team in this situation and my African striker was going back uh, to Africa as the citizen of a country that just had a coup and questioning whether or not like his documents are legal now and things like that. Like that's a that's a very fair concern. Um, I do have a little bit of insight, though, on the coup, Chief. If you're looking for a who to root for, hit me. I've got, I, you, you know me. I love a who to root for guy. So yeah. this is, we are a sports podcast, and I know that's kind of reductionist when it comes to politics. But, you know, politics can be a team sport if you have unhealthy views about <laughs> democracy and the future. Um, so, Gabon, uh, for the last what are we talking about, like 50 years, 45 years, uh, has been ruled by what can only be described as one family, like one, I'll say crime family, but that might be a little harsh. It's been run by one family since like 1975. And it's kind of passed down from father to son, although not a formal dictatorship. It's uh, basically a dictatorship. Um, there was an election and the election was shady as shit. And a lot of people were upset about this. And the military stepped in and overthrew this longstanding family that has been running the country since 1975. And I don't think it's been doing a great job of it. But I'll let that I'll let that conversation go to people who know what they're talking about. <laughs> now, on the face of it, you think, great, the military taking out a corrupt government dictator sounds lovely. 
The military is run by a cousin of this family. Oh, no. <laughs> so, yeah, you don't you don't become like a dictator of an African country without having your your thumb on the the military there a little bit. And uh, yeah, so they lost they lost control of that, but they didn't have complete non-control before this. So no. Somebody else wanted to wear the hat. (laughs) It's always weird to me when I hear about like these dynasties that rule other countries. Like everybody knows, you know, North Korea, they've got the the Kim family there. But then like the situation in the Philippines where they got rid of the corrupt family and then the corrupt family is now back because his son won an election under kind of suspicious circumstances. Yes. It's just uh, you, you were you were so close. You were so close to getting rid of getting rid of the it would be like if we all of a sudden were like, you know what, let's 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 give Jeb Bush a chance. It's like we were so close to getting rid of these people. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I I mean there was I To I be was, fair, to be fair, that isn't, you know, a, a slight on the Bush family. I just I despise political dynasties. I hate the idea that someone's kid or someone's <laughs> family member ever becomes the leader of a country. It's just it's I would be okay. Like, no, just we don't do that anymore. We tried that. No more. Or if you're not going to do that, go back the other way. I've been a longstanding supporter of the monarchy. Um, (laughs) Just just have a family. Just have a family. Don't go both ways. Don't sell me on this idea that like, oh, we have a choice and it's all it's the same families and the people fighting over and over again. If you're going to do that, go back to the monarchy and have the balls to admit that all things considered democracy might be an aberration in human history. <laughs> Chief, Maybe we're, me, we're straying from where we need to be societally. Chief, I know you love a, an alternate history uh, here. Let, let me present to you your nightmare timeline here. In 2008, what if Hillary Clinton wins the presidential election there, serves two terms, following her two terms in office, one Jeb Bush would run and win and serve two terms. That gives us plenty of time for a young Chelsea Clinton to have enough political experience under her belt to run and win two terms after Jeb Bush. We could have gone from Bush Sr. in 1988 all the way up to, I think it gets us to 2040, alternating between Bushes and Clintons. And you know where that (laughs) alternate timeline is contained? It's on Hunter Biden's laptop. It's, <laughs> it's the man in the high castle thing. That's why everybody wants it. It's because it comes from this alternate reality where that actually happened. And it, that the, the existence of that must be pre- prevented from reaching the public at all costs. For some reason, as insane as it is, it's a much better timeline. It's somehow the idealistic, perfect outcome for humanity that we just alternate between Clintons and Bushes till the end of time. <laughs> until until we behead them all during the revolution. <laughs> it ends in one of two ways, folks. <laughs> oh, well, it sounds God. like Gabon's a great place. I'll add that to my. Uh, yeah, I f- I feel bad though. It's like it's funny. It sucks that like soccer kind of. And God, are we off the reservation now? Soccer yeah. kind of does what I love about the the sport is that unlike other being a football fan, baseball to a certain extent, but baseball is kind of, they don't talk about this sort of stuff enough because it leads to some weird questions about poverty <laughs> and exploitation of cultures and whatnot. Yeah. But soccer, you really do have to think and you're like, oh, these are, like there was a great story the other day that got tweeted out that Woboto's family has finally made it to the United States. Yeah. 
and that it had been an over a year, a year plus struggle to get his family to America on the proper types of immigration visas so that his family can be here. He's on a three year deal with FC Cincinnati with all with all signs indicating he may play here a lot longer. And it just it's it's hard to be a soccer fan and not look at some of this stuff and, and realize that the world is a lot bigger and a lot more complex than you might have thought, even if you consider yourself someone that's decently well-read and well-informed. But to me, like the idea that a player for a professional sports team in this country couldn't get his family over here to live with them right. is, is mind-blowing to me. That like you would expect, and you know, I understand the immigration system's complex, understatement of the goddamn century. Right. Um, that there just would be like a fast pass line for, oh, wait, he's in this country. He's making millions of dollars. He has signed a long term contract with this team. Yeah, of course, his family can come. Fuck, like buy him a plane ticket. They can be here tomorrow. Like, why? Why is it more complex than that? And then you realize it's a lot more complex than that. And then you get to someone like Bupenza, where it's like his very ability to come back and forth to the country right. depends on who's in charge of that country. And he might not know the, the, the answer to that question could be different when he leaves to go play this game. And there's these situations are fluid and unstable. That situation could be completely different when he tries to board a flight to come back to Cincinnati. And it's just, it really does put a lot of the shit we bitch about in our everyday lives into perspective that when I went over with my in-laws to the, to the UK and Ireland earlier in this this year, I never once worried about getting back to America. Like right. that was, there was no thought of that, or worried that while I was gone, the government would collapse. And yeah. <laughs> Jesus, yeah, right, yeah. I, you're exactly right, and it is one of those things that like I love about the sport of soccer is that it is so global. It is truly global that it does like. I don't know for for whatever tiny little bit of it that this is worth. It's like it's interesting that like the coup in Gabon is a impactful news story to people in Cincinnati because it impacts like their sports team. Like right. you don't get that story in the NFL and the NBA and in the NHL. Maybe Shit, a little you don't bit get that NHL. story. In, you don't get that story in Columbus, right? Or Cleveland. Right. That's that's the kind of news that you know, professors at the local university know, or maybe if you're listening to the BBC News Hour on a daily basis, you get that story just as a blip that like the government in Gabon has collapsed and they're immediately then on to climate change or something else. But like, yeah, in this town now we're talking about that. And that's just that's fucking wild. And it's also it's another I try to remember this and I frequently fail in my desire to achieve hot takes (laughs) <laughs> you have no idea how this impacts Aaron Bapenza. Yeah. Or like what his family's ties to any part of the ruling party in right. Gabon or what their relation is. I mean, it could be something as stupid as he's got an uncle that is a local government official in some town. And all of a sudden it's like, well, you're on the outs with the new group and right. that's causing problems. It's like it's just a reminder that with a lot of these people, they're humans. They have a life that none of us understand in countries none of us have ever been to and situations none of us could ever put ourselves in. 
and sometimes maybe give the guy a break when he doesn't finish right in front of the net. I got to remind myself of that more often. I know, Zach, you're shocked to hear me have this take. Get off me. <laughs> Shout out to the post discord there. Um yeah, it it is something to keep in mind too. Like we we talk about with guys needing to to come into the team, and I, I have certainly been chief among them, putting pressure on Bupenza to 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 do now to to succeed now. But especially with this news, and like you said, who knows what situation his family is in or what sort of stresses he has now. I wouldn't blame him for having his mind somewhere else and maybe representing his country internationally means that much more, right, at, at this time. Um, what percentage of FC Cincinnati fans do you think had heard of the nation of Gabon prior to Aaron Bupenza's arrival? Americans notoriously bad at geography. <laughs> heard of? 8%. Could place on a map within 5,000 kilometers, 1%. 1%. <laughs> Some of y'all never watched Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego, and it shows. Um, for what it is worth, he's playing one game uh, on the 9th. Uh, what is that? Saturday. Um the group that they are in, they're in qualification group I, is so unbelievably tight. The leader of the group is uh, Mauritania. Uh, they've got eight points. The losers of the group in fourth place, Sudan, with six points. Both Gabon and the Democratic Republic of Congo, not to be confused with the Congo, uh, are both on seven points. So it is a snug group, everything to play for in this one. Uh, wish him and his the best. Uh, this and apparently is a huge game. found out that you have to pay 30 bucks to get the streaming rights to this game. So yeah, uh, Mob is telling me it's on BN Sports 4 HD, which means it is not available. <laughs> I don't know where that is. Speaking um, of international waters, Good luck, everyone. <laughs> oh, God, that is so true. Uh, on related news in that it's FC Cincinnati news and about a striker, uh, one Dom Baji rejoined training with the full group uh, this week. I think as we're recording, it was today, maybe yesterday. Um, so really good to see Baji in there. Honestly, the chemistry uh, Baji and Vasquez had before Baji's injury was so great that I, and I don't think I was alone, uh, was thinking that he might keep Brenner off the field. Like everything was clicking and going so, so smoothly there. Uh, he got hurt. Everything was, was, you know, ripped apart for him there. Uh, with Bupenza at least being out during training and let's, you know, flip a coin, I don't know, on his visa issues being sorted to get back in time. I don't hate having Baji back and, I don't and hate potentially it starting. Yeah. I love it just because it gives Noonan different looks. Yeah. And this team is going to need, I think we talked about it in the last show, this team is going to need to figure some answers out when it comes to teams that are bunkering in deep and playing yeah. tight lines um, in the midfield. Baji gives them a different weapon to use, a different look. And you can now have the ability to mix and match Baji, Santos, Vasquez, and Bapenza. And you can sort of plug and play different people to create different combinations that may unlock a team. And I think that the more 
the more tools you have to do that, I think the better for this team. Also, not for nothing, Baji and Bapenza may be what this team goes into next season with as their top two strikers. That is a great point. Um, I think Baji has an option. He's on quite a bit of salary for what he has done for FCC, but I agree. He could very easily be back with this team, especially if he shows up here towards the end of the season um, and helps out quite a bit there. He's also like the biggest striker we have. Maybe Vasquez is a little bigger, uh, but he is certainly something different than Santos and uh, Bupenza has there. Uh also note on the training front, uh, Kimi Ordonez had been out for a good long while, uh, apparently making his way back um, from injury, uh, if not this week, then ideally next week. So that would be lovely, lovely, lovely to see. Uh, Chief, are you ready for this? I know we don't do a whole lot of this. You ready for a little MLS news? Dare I do this to us? Wow, on this show? <laughs> the show that doesn't watch MLS, famously? A uh, couple of items here uh, that I think are worth keeping an eye on. Uh, one is, uh, I'll bring this one up because it is still kind of related to FCC. I'll tie it in here. Uh, Kai Wagner, uh, outside back, I believe he's the left back there for Philadelphia Union, universally considered one of the best left backs in the league, has basically said his time in Philadelphia uh, could be coming to a close. He has not been offered a new contract and will go into this offseason as a free agent, a restricted free agent for the Philadelphia Union, which means uh, Philly can offer him the most money. However, other teams will be able to bid for his services. You have to wonder if there isn't a, a pressure campaign I don't know if they're allowed to, but maybe already underway um, from Pat Noonan and company to try to recruit one Wagner to come replace, assuming an Alvaro Barrial who may be leaving this winter. Uh, Chief, does does Wagner do anything for you? Absolutely, uh, potentially coming. Uh, of, same here. <laughs> like this is such a like when this got reported that Wagner wasn't going to be coming back to Philly. First thought was this is such a perfect signing for FC Cincinnati. Yeah. And yeah. it makes sense on a number of levels. It makes sense, number one, on the fact that um, they're going to need potentially a replacement for Alvaro Barrial next year, which is a big deal. Also, they're going to be getting a salary slot that he can fit into with the yeah. probable departure of Yuya Kubo. Um, Looking at like, <laughs> again, for all we know, he's got a lifetime option on this team that he's just going to keep exercising. Yes. It like wouldn't shock me in the slightest on that. But they have the salary spot to bring him on. It's a position of need. It's absolutely something that would be worthwhile of bringing on the um, that level of salary for how important that position is on yeah. the team. So, yeah, I love it. Yeah, I guess my only fear I mean, not fear, but I guess the thought there is that I feel like he's more likely to want to go to Europe. I believe he is 27 or 28. It's not out of the question he would try to make a, a run at Europe before signing in MLS. And potentially, if he did sign with FCC, could have his head turned pretty quickly if an offer to Europe came up, say, the first summer he was here. Um, if he did come to FCC, that would maybe be a concern of mine. He has had European interest in the past. That has kind of cooled off i'll say 
it's cooled off right about the time Chris Albright left Philadelphia. So maybe Albright has a path for him in mind. Uh, and he's, he's trying to get over here to pull that off. I don't know. So um, something yeah. to keep an eye on there. Because I think Arias is an option, right, for next year, I believe? Or it was a two-year deal? I think he has a two-year deal. I don't oh, know. So Okay, so you got Kai Wagner and Santiago Arias <laughs> as your two starting backs for this team. We you do that, and all of, all of a sudden, you start to feel a lot better yeah. about where... And I know it's fucking absurd to be talking about <laughs> next year's roster already, given right. the fact that how good this team is this year. But there is a sort of lurking sort of Damocles with this team that there are a lot of impending departures that mm -hmm. sort of creates a fierce urgency of now, of yes. winning now. Um, kind of like with Don Baji. It's like, okay, Baji being back, if Baji balls out, you're looking at potentially adding Kai Wagner, then you're looking at, okay, maybe next year the drop-off doesn't have to be there and we can be more of a reload as opposed to a rebuild with the departure of pieces like Vasquez and, uh, and Barrial. Yeah, especially with Halsey and Powell as your backups, or maybe Halsey's pushing for a starting job. Just say, you, I just saying. I am forced to forced to point out, <laughs> you did put his name in ink, which would kind of mean there's no starting spot for Kai Wagner on this team. I think he gets beat by Halsey in the preseason. <laughs> it's a tough look, but the coaching staff can't deny the undeniable talent that is Red Halsey. <laughs> the only thing that ruins a hot take is backing off your hot take. So I so appreciate stick with your take. Stick with your take. Have the courage. He can uh, still start. He can still make that starting role if Mike Pence has the courage. <laughs> I didn't say who he would start for. Um but it would be FC Cincinnati. So I will say it's FC there Cincinnati. <laughs> love it. I love it. Uh, also around uh, MLS, uh, the Colorado Rapids fired their head coach, Robin Frazier. Uh, we also did not mention it on the podcast, but uh, throw it out there as well. Portland Timbers said goodbye to club legend, question mark, uh, Giovanni Cervesi. Um which in my mind is sort of the end of the New York Cosmos having an impact on the world of soccer, that he was sort of the last vestige of the New York Cosmos. If people don't know, and they should, and I will tell you now, the Portland Timbers paid a transfer fee to the New York Cosmos for Giovanni Cervesi to be their head coach. So that's a thing. So that's where he, he coached so, last so you're telling me that the last person carrying the flag for the New York Cosmos is fucking Shep Messing. <laughs> so all we got to do is get rid of him and we can stop hearing about these goons. Every single time I've listened to Shep Messing on the broadcast, whatever broadcast it is, he has talked about how FC Cincinnati is a fraud team and they will lose whatever game he's talking about. Great. <laughs> Every single time. He's been proven right, what, four times? Yeah. <laughs> Broken clock territory, buddy. <laughs> Other than that, yeah, look like a fool. Um, so I mentioned that to, to bring this up for you. Chief, is it too early to be signing contracts with Noonan and Albright? When am I allowed to panic? I guess that's actually my question. When am I allowed to panic about not hearing about them? I don't think panic time yet. Sure. But when I, I think. I think if they if they get deep into this offseason without new contracts for Noonan and Albright, that should be the first order of business 
right out of the shoot in the off season is if season ends on Monday, Tuesday or Wednesday, we should be hearing about a new deal for Noonan and Albright. They should be working on this with their agents. If they don't want to talk about it because they're in the middle and they're focusing on this, that's fine. But the sure. team and their agents should be going back and forth and figuring this out. If they want to wait until the day after the season to present this to them, sure, I don't care. Here is where you put a pin in this conversation a little bit. Okay. Is that with every team that launches a coach, it is another potential suitor for the services of Pat Noonan. With every team looking for a GM that launches a GM, it's another potential suitor for the services of Chris Albright. And it just increases the chances that they're going to find another gig or another city that's enticing. I don't know where, but to me, I would want to stop anyone from getting a wandering eye. I would want to be having that deal done before these teams are ready to announce what they're doing. And so I'm not panicked, but I, I, I think that they need to be worried a little bit that at least one of these other jobs out there will seem enticing to guys who have, by all accounts, pulled off one of the most improbable turnarounds in the history of American sports. Like, I don't know that there's a lot that rivals what FC Cincinnati has done. It is right up there. Um, Yeah, I completely agree with you. And sure, Colorado and Portland, probably not the ones, but Portland's pretty, pretty, that's American soccer royalty. That's, that's, you know, I, you, it's not a, it's not a, you know, being, you know, a a small market fan to admit this it's Portland is, is built different. It's Cascadia, it's Pacific Northwest. It is sort of the spiritual home of soccer in America. If you were to ask people, where is at where, least where in the, MLS? Yeah. In MLS, yeah. No, it's like if you were to ask a random person somewhere in this country, where are the most passionate, hardcore fans of soccer in America, and they don't know much about the sport, you're probably going to get a lot of people that are answering like Seattle and Portland and places like that. Yeah, yeah. And that's not that's not a slight on any other team. It's not a, sl- a slight on us in Cincinnati at all for yeah. what we do because what we do rivals anything they do. It's just there is that allure and there is that history of soccer up yes. there and they've they've won trophies. They have yeah. a fan base that is the Demands envy of 99% yeah. of this 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 country in terms of <laughs> soccer fans. So they have resources, they spend um yeah, those are I don't know if it's enticing personally to an East Coast guy like, you know, you know, Chris Albright or a, you know, a Midwestern guy like Pat Noonan, but it's it's out there. Yeah. The other thing, too, is like maybe the market isn't the most attractive or maybe even the money isn't incredible. I mean, it would have to be pretty good. Don't get me wrong. Um, But the other thing that some of these teams can offer, especially a Portland or Colorado, is control. Like, hey, Chris Albright, you can have everything (laughs) like you run the entire sporting side you can have the women's team the academies the the first team you can you know manage the usl affiliate like you are the president of soccer operations you're not the general manager you are you are the top dog or noonan you can come here and you get to pick your transfers you get to pick your coaching staff you get to you know like you can make 
an enticing offer that's different than what they have here. I tend to believe Albright's next move is to Europe. That's just, I base that on absolutely nothing. And that might be yeah. copium, but <laughs> I don't know. I would like, I, I independent of all of everything else that we've said. Yeah. They, they just deserve it. Like, yes, they deserve it. And it's, it's, it's a weird thing. I was explaining this to somebody or talking to somebody about this in our society. Money is respect. Mm-hmm. And you can wish that wasn't the case. And, you know, you can have this sort of Gene Roddenberry view of the world where we shouldn't do that. But like the way you show someone I respect you and I appreciate you is you add another zero to their contract or you yep. bump the figures up. And if I'm Carl Linder and it's easy for me to spend somebody else's money, but if I'm Carl Linder, these yeah. guys rescued my team from obscurity. We've talked about it like on the side. I don't know if we've ever talked about it on the show. I think we're all in agreement. I think even Grayson would be in agreement with this if he was here, that this team was probably one or two more losing seasons away from utterly alienating the fan base and setting this entire project back a decade. Oh, yeah. And the fact that they struck and Albright and Noonan struck so quickly, that's the reason why they're selling these games out. Because oh, yeah. it, take, it takes teams that are bad years to rebuild and recollect that that ticket buying base and they rescued it at the exact right moment like this it's it's no hyperbole to say i think that albright and noonan saved carl linder's investment in the short term oh for sure and it's going to be a lot easier to build that entertainment complex right down there next to the stadium when you're selling every game out and you've got a 98 percent retention rate on season tickets everybody lines up to, to rent there they ain't lining up to rent there if you're struggling to move product because your team's been dog shit for five <laughs> six years yeah no that is for damn sure and we see that so pay in, <laughs> yeah, yes please um we see that in mls that the good teams don't always sell out every game uh new york red bulls have been a very good team in the standings for a long time. They can't get anybody. So yeah, no, there is, there's certainly something to be said uh, for that. And yeah, let's hope so. I will say, keep an eye out for this one. Uh, SEC has a solid backroom staff, as they call it across the pond there. Uh, You're looking at Kenny arena and um, Dom Kinnear and Dom Kinnear. Gosh, name was escaping me. And even though he didn't, you know, light the world on fire in his interim appearance. He got the job done for what was asked for him. Uh, uh, Tyron Marshall, Marshall as well. These are the guys that are your prime candidates to go to Portland, to go to Colorado, you know, those, those types of moves. So even though we might keep Noonan and Albright, I wouldn't be surprised if this coaching staff looks a little different next year. Yeah. Good for them. They've all earned it. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent suffering from success. That, that right. is FCC <laughs> this winter. That's <laughs> yeah, just like, it's like being in the NFL, man. It's like, if you're, if your offensive coordinator and your defensive coordinator aren't in demand every year, it probably means you're screwing something up. Yeah. 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 There's, it's going to be this awkward moment where Vasquez leaves, Barrio leaves, uh, arena leaves, Kinnear leaves, uh, you know, whoever th- Kubo leaves, right? It's like, damn, what is left? What do we have left? All right. A, a very good team and a very good yeah. coaching staff and general manager. Okay. Okay. We'll be all right. Um, another one I wanted to throw out there for you, chief. I know we don't typically dabble in this stuff. Um, Something that I noticed in the last couple of weeks, especially this last week, MLS getting a little more respect on the international stage. And I don't just mean Mm. that from like, 
a certain someone showing up. I don't think one man makes a league. Uh, however, Alan Velasco for, D uh, I keep wanting to say DC United, FC Dallas, uh, gets called up to the Argentine national team. I mean, we saw Tiago Almada got called up, but that was, you know, a little different this time. Velasco seemingly playing his way into the Argentinian national team based on his MLS experience, getting him into that team. And then LAFC has a defender. Uh, I believe it is Mahmoudou Fall, uh, making his way to Barcelona, technically on loan with a $7 million purchase option, an incredibly talented center back, making his way directly to Barcelona. He might play for their B team for a little bit. He is very young. He was playing prep school soccer, I think, like three years ago. Um, but uh, yeah, just like these little tiny things I'm picking up on, on MLS sort of garnering the respect of the the maybe not the media maybe not the fans but the people with actual dollars on the line and and needing results looking to mls to getting some things done i i don't know if i'm if i'm taking crazy pills it's a very small sample size but i'm i'm feeling the winds of change blowing here it's weird that Sometimes I feel like in soccer from following this, you attribute way more method to the madness than there really is sometimes. Yeah. And you do almost get a sense that that there is a second look being taken at MLS by people who might not have looked at MLS for a while. And there are some there are some people that manage these clubs overseas that are good old like the the european equivalent of the good old boys and it's it's yep. not that different in the nfl like i know we keep yep. talking i keep bringing it back on this there are, the, these guys just keep getting bounced around from job to job like you know guys like you know norv turner was an offensive coordinator <laughs> yes. like forever and he kept getting head coaching jobs and he was terrible at it why right. well because people remember that one time he was with dallas and he was really great as an offensive coordinator so god he must know how to be a head coach somewhere deep down in there <laughs> and there are a lot of people in europe who are just they're lifers of the game who wouldn't give mls another look yeah you know and one person shows up to mls and all of a sudden the games become a little more must-see tv and you watch a few of the games and you're like, oh, hell, the last time I really scouted this league, I don't think it looked this good. And that <laughs> might not even be true. It might look exactly the same. But now, because a certain someone is here, all of a sudden it's given the air of importance and given the air of what's the word I'm looking for? Not authority, like competence. Yeah, like MLS is being treated like a real league. Which is like, really funny because we're yes. behaving like like school children over <laughs> he who must not be named. Yes. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm putting a pin in this and I'm, I'm looking at this and this is something just to keep an eye on. But yeah, like that's not the worst thing in the world. If the profile of the players who leave this league starts to rise and I think it's an even bigger deal that like we got people getting called up to the Argentine national team, which means yeah. that a player of that caliber is in MLS currently. Yeah. And for this league to grow, they're going to need more of that. They're going to need more players on national teams. Like we talked about Aaron Bapenza leaving. The norm yeah. for this league should be 
most of the squads leaving to go on international duty during these windows. And then maybe all the windows will be like this and we'll stop playing during them. Although, yes, that was another thing. Um, uh, Tata Martino yes. saying that it was his <laughs> understanding that there will be no games ever during international windows next year, which. Sure, I guess we'll start the league in January and run till December. Because, Bring it on. <laughs> because somehow you got to fit all these international windows in and take a month off for League's Cup and this ridiculous new playoff format. You're going to be playing soccer for like <laughs> 10 months straight. I mean, I'm still keeping an eye out. I, I, if I am wrong, please somebody send me the link. I have yet to see anything that they're doing League's Cup next year. Like, it's just not like. I think it's a safe assumption they are, but they haven't said anything. That's weird. Like, I don't know. We we know where the Super Bowl is going to be for like the next four years. We know where the next couple of World Cups are going to be. Oh, we got come the next... on. Like, this is a league that didn't announce its playoff <laughs> format until after like the league kicked off, I think. That's, I think you're right, too. <laughs> They're making this shit up as they go along. You and I Very both true. know that. Um but yeah, I don't know. I would I would not mind seeing the League's Cup become an off-season tournament and then you can fit all this crap in. Um, but yeah, no, I think that's an, it's an interesting point as well. And I think it helps sell the league to guys like Barriel, where, you know, these are guys that are very good in Argentina, say specifically, say, look, you can go struggle in, you know, the second division in Spain, sure, or come to MLS enjoy a nice salary, enjoy a nice quality of life, and you can play your way into your national team. This is not a bad stepping stone. If you want to go to Europe, sure, you can still get there. That's a viable path. But MLS isn't putting other aspirations on hold in order to do something else. Like no. this is as good it, as going to a, like an, the Netherlands or Belgium yeah, or something. It's, it's almost like, you know, being the head basketball coach at Xavier. Or being the head football coach at UC, you yeah. are never going to stop that person from taking a job at Duke, right? Or for UC, taking a job at you know Florida or Florida State or whatever, right? All you're trying to do is you are trying to limit the number of places right. that you become a stepping stone for. And back <laughs> in the day, you know, if you were the head football coach at UC. Back in the bad old days, oh, you, you know, it would gig. be it, it, it would be a stepping stone to go someplace like Wake Forest. Right. Or, you know, like Iowa State or something like that. Now you're shrinking the number of places like similarly with MLS, like you're going to lose players to Barcelona and Chelsea and yeah. United and PSG and, you know, teams yeah. and some teams in Syria. What you need to do is you need to close the window of. These teams are clearly better and your career is better off by making a stepping stone to that. And if they can do that, if they can just cut that list of teams to where they will, people will jump in an offer to go play at this team. If they can cut that list in half, they don't yeah. even need to eliminate Just cut that in half. The caliber of players staying in MLS will be game changing to the quality of play in this league. Yeah. And presumably any of those teams or even leagues that you leapfrog, those become your poaching opportunities. Those become, hey, yeah. you know what? These guys aren't playing in the bottom half of the Italian league. We'll take the best players in the bottom half of the Italian league now. Like that's yeah. that's when this gets real fun. Yeah. No, I. We can I dream. Mean, we can dream. <laughs> we just can't say the name of the guy who's responsible allegedly. <laughs> hey, you know if 
if all of this banging on this drum turns FCC into a better team in the future, I'll eat my humble pie with a, with a side of crow. Not if it screws this season up. I'll be bitter forever. I'll very be happy fair. with that. I'll be happy with how the league turns out, but I will be bitter till the day they put me in the ground. Okay, that is fair. I'm not saying put this <laughs> le- this season in question for FCC. I am saying the how annoying it is to deal with the league right now. I will forgive uh, just in terms of the buzz, the marketing. Uh, there was a hilarious meme on uh, the MLS subreddit. I think it was this week of um, the count from Sesame Street uh, counting the number of times Messi's name. Oh. <laughs> ah! We did it. We did it. Oh man. Brutal. That that hurts. Oh, oh I'm sure Grayson is cackling somewhere. I love oh, this. That hurt. He's he survives. I'm not even gonna tell you what the rest of that image was, but it was funny. <laughs> Jeez. Oh. oh, that's incredible. Oh, jeez. Well, with that, Chief, let's get out of this segment before any one of us break another cardinal rule <laughs> of this podcast. Holy um, hell. No, coming up, we have an interview uh, with John Horlander, communications manager for FC Cincinnati. Fantastic guy. Sits down with the post. I... I don't know that his bosses knew that he was coming on. I applaud him for for breaking the embargo, for making his way uh, <laughs> over to the postcast. Uh, but no, John's a great guy. He's been with the club uh, for a couple of years now, which in FCC terms is, you know, long term. And uh, no, he's he's got some good stories about how he got into the business and uh, it's just a really fun personality. So I think you're going to enjoy this conversation and uh, maybe we'll hit you with a little in the 11 out of the 18 on the other side of this. This episode is also brought to you by Cincy Shirts. Look, you know Cincy Shirts. You love Cincy Shirts. They've been with FCC from the beginning. And we here at the Postcast, we're just huge fans of their work. They were very early sponsors of the Postcast here, and we have always enjoyed their work. If you head on over to CincyShirts.com, that's Cincy with a Y, Shirts.com, and check out using the promo code ThePostCincy, all one word, all caps, you will get 10% off your order and you let them know that we sent you. Like they have MLS and MLSPA licensed FCC gear available online and at their two retail locations in Hyde Park and Fort Mitchell. If they don't have your size on the shelf, they can print you one on the spot. That is a fantastic feature and something that I have used as well. So again, special thank you to Cincy Shirts. Head on over to their website or check the link down below in the description for the promo code ThePostCincy for 10% off your next order. And a huge thank you to Cincy Shirts. Joining us for a very, very special segment of the postcast, we are joined by the one and only communications manager for FC Cincinnati, Mr. John Horlander. John, how are you doing tonight? What is going on, guys? Long time listener, first time caller. It's exciting. I'm excited <laughs> to be here. It is utterly terrifying that somebody with the title communications manager for FC Cincinnati has listened to an episode of this this podcast right. before <laughs> or or comes on to join too like I, I whenever we have anyone that does this for a living like 
I get the same feeling as when a cop pulls up behind you in traffic, where it's like, okay, yeah. hands at 10 and 2, how fast am I going? Is the audio sound okay? You get that pit in your stomach, and you're like, is this for me? Is this for me? Oh, God. Yeah, I've I've definitely had those moments meeting people, quote unquote, like, in the industry, but like, are actually in the industry. And yeah, I always just feel like a fraud. I feel like it's, it's like stolen valor territory of like, yeah, I am in sports. I've got a dumb podcast I run out of my basement. Please don't pay attention to me. <laughs> well, it's funny because I like, I just finished, you know, eating dinner with my fiance and I was like, I got to go. I got to go do this podcast. She's like, you did it last night. <laughs> because I also have a dumb podcast about the things that are important to me. And so when you asked me to come on, I was like, oh yeah, like I do this all the time. Like it's, I, I, I'm good. And then so, as it gets closer, I'm like getting nervous. And I'm like, <laughs> like, I'm usually the one just like saying dumb stuff. Like now I'm going to be asked things. There's like, there's a pressure on me. So I think that the pressure is just like all the way around. Yeah. There's, there's also this uniform and like uniform lived experience that everyone has. that's not a podcast that has a significant other of the eye roll you get. When it's like, where are you going? Well, I got to go upstairs and do the podcast. Oh, come on. Really? You already did one earlier this week. I know we release weekly. Well, that's too often. You should stop. <laughs> oh, the content train does not stop. John, I, uh, I I don't take a lot of notes. I don't do a lot of interview prep, uh, but I did have this question lined up. Number one, are you John or are you Johnny? I'm John. Okay. I'm John. The, uh, he is, he is Johnny. Okay. Um, yeah. It, it's funny. Like it started as, um, we both like wanted to do broadcasting. We like did that in college. We wanted to do that in like professionally. And then I got out of college and I did it professionally and I made no money. And it, I was like, <laughs> I can't do this very, I can't do this very long. And so I sort of switched gears. He's still trying to do, professional broadcasting. So it started as a way to just get reps, like just right. keep our voices out there. And now we still do it because if we don't do it, somebody's grandpa texts us and says, where's the episode this week? And Aww. now we have to do it. So <laughs> I, tell, I, I always say the day that we don't do one and we don't get a text is the day we'll stop doing it. That's a great. That's a great idea for when to end it. When nobody's asking for it, you can walk away. Yeah, that's why we keep doing it. I'm afraid that no one would say anything. It would just validate all the fears that I have that no one is actually listening to this. You don't ask a question you don't want the answer to, right? Like that's that's the uh, that's the lesson here. Yeah, Uh, John, you. uh, you you go to school at uh, what I can only assume was Notre Dame University. Am I am I correct in that assumption there? Yeah, but I, I didn't take the easy way. I Ooh. didn't get in the first time. Um, it's allegedly hard to get in there. Okay, and uh, so I went to Dayton for a year and transferred. Clever. Um, so it was like you know when you're going to college, you have to, like May first, you have to commit to your college and keep the sign on it. So like May seventh or eighth, I get the email that's like. Hey, you were waitlisted, but we're not letting anybody off the waitlist. So you're not being admitted. So we're like past the deadline. I haven't committed to a college and Notre Dame's like, you can't get in. And so I go to like our school advisor, counselor person. And I was like, Hey, like, I don't know where I'm going to gonna go to school. Like, I don't want to go to any of my other options and it's too late. And she was like, well, just apply somewhere else. Like, what about Dayton? It's, you know, it's Catholic. They have sports. And I was like, yeah, sure. Okay, whatever. So I applied to Dayton and they accepted me like the next week. And I showed up on campus in August. I had never visited. I had never even thought about going there. And I just was there for a year. And it was like all my friends. I still have friends to this day that like 
went there and graduated from there and stuff that are here in Cincinnati. But like everybody that I met, the first thing out of my mouth was like, I'm going to transfer to Notre Dame. So don't worry about <laughs> Do you get like a sort of a reaction when people, when you say to people, I'm going to transfer to Notre Dame, it's like, I yeah, sure you are. We're all at Dayton. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, like, I mean, I love Dayton. I mean, go Flyers, but like half the people there are there because they didn't get into Notre Dame. <laughs> <laughs> so it was kind of, everyone was like, oh yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, right. <laughs> See you there. <laughs> well, the crazy son of a bitch actually did. <laughs> it's like, we all said we were going to do it, but he actually went to South Bend. What a nut job. <laughs> oh God. That reminds me of, I, I had a friend who, uh, who did not get into a, uh, a university. That I will not mention because this is so embarrassing and I don't want people to track him down. Um, but he decided to show up anyway and like plead his case in person and, uh, he didn't get in. It just didn't work. So I don't know why that was his plan there, but I can't believe it didn't work. <laughs> but I respect the hell out of you for trying. Right. That like you were told no and you specifically like, no, no, no. I can talk my way out of this situation. Right. <laughs> I asked him, I was like, have you ever heard of anybody like pulling this off? No, man, I got to try. It just I'd sounds like it would be a, hell, it'd be a hell of a LinkedIn story. <laughs> Other than that, I don't know that that's a great idea. <laughs> so oh. you go to Notre Dame and you want to be involved in broadcasting. And my question to you is this, is that when you first started doing Notre Dame games. Was there a moment where you were like, oh my God, this is, I can't believe this is happening because it's Notre Dame. It's not like, you know, it's not like going to OU and doing the Bobcats games. No offense to anyone. Love all my Athens brothers. But like all of a sudden you're calling a Notre Dame football game. How, how cool was that? <laughs> yeah. My first game was Notre Dame, Georgia in 2017. They were, it was the year that Georgia went on to play in the title game. Wow. And I think that was the year that they lost because like Tua came in that that year. Um, and it was like massive night game. And it was the first time I'd ever gotten on the mic to call a game. Wow. And I was like, why are they letting me do this? <laughs> <laughs> like, what did I do to deserve to get to do this? And then like, you know, it, I did it for for two years. My The next year I got to travel. I say with the team, like I took my own flights. I just happened to go to the same cities as them and end up in the same city. Like, I traveled with the team. Like we did all the road games and, you know, we had some great ones. I, I also was at the cotton bowl in 2018 when we lost to Clemson, like 30 to three. And like, you have to keep broadcasting, but yeah, like right. you don't because it's student radio. Like if you just stopped, nobody would notice but we're, like, the game is credentials. We can't be sitting here like not broadcasting. So we sat there and we broadcasted the rest of the game. Like, to no one while well, we oh. got murdered. <laughs> <laughs> do you do you let your hair down a little bit when you're in the fourth quarter of that one? You start you start letting the critiques fly from the booth there. It just became an episode of the John and Johnny podcast. <laughs> right. <laughs> like by the fourth quarter, it was just an, it was a podcast episode. <laughs> <laughs> Looking over on student radio. You know, we can say it now that nobody's listening. Ian Book kind of sucks, right? <laughs> hey. Hey. <laughs> Dust a nerve there, Chief. <laughs> oh, so I, went to two, I went to Tulane. I can't talk shit about anyone. <laughs> hey, man, th there's like high expectations for Tulane. Yeah. yeah, we are. It was the first year in the program's 122 year history that they started the season ranked this year. So, wow, we're on the come up. This is exciting. They, I mean, they beat USC last year in, in the bowl game. Like that was one of the better sure days did. of my life. <laughs> 
That was uh, every Tulane alum will forever remember where they were when that happened, because it's just never getting any better than that. The way realignment <laughs> is going, that's we got one moment out of the way. And that's we got one last one in before everything went to hell. <laughs> oh, you're going to do great against Charlotte. I'm sure that's going to be, be great. A fun yeah. game. <laughs> Probably play, we'll be playing the Dayton Flyers here any week now. It'll be fun. <laughs> so, John, after college, you make your way into soccer. You don't jump immediately to FC Cincinnati. How do you, I ask this as somebody who who at one point maybe even tried at this, how do you break in to American soccer immediately out of college? So when I was in college, my first internship was with, I was, I'm from Louisville. So my first internship with this was with Louisville City. Mm-hmm. Um, it was mm-hmm. in 2018. Do you remember that season? I've, we're, we're familiar. We did yeah. something to the league that year. It was hmm. Louisville City did some other things to the league after that. If you guys remember that, but did we, um, we, Kevin, did we bash this league? Is that what we did that year? We might have smashed the league, something like that. Something like that. Crushed, crushed. That's what it was. We crushed this league. league. Yes, yes. And then we don't. We crushed this. We we crushed this regular season. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a very specific time frame. (laughs) But so I so I did this. You know, it was like social media and PR. And a little bit of broadcasting. I mean, it was just like anything that they needed, basically, because in USL, you're a you, you do everything because there's no there's like four people that work for the club. Right. And and Louisville was better staffed than others. But like the guy who was running all of this, like he had one office, there were four people in it. And it was like, here's your comms, content, marketing, graphic design team. Have fun. <laughs> <laughs> and so I remember like he used to just be like, hey, I'd go to training today and go get some content. And so I would just kind of be standing there like I've never been introduced to any of the players, Coach O'Connor, like none of them. And I just like show up in my little Louisville City polo and I'm just like filming on my phone. And I just like I'll never forget, like James O'Connor just stops practice and turns around and just like you stop filming. <laughs> he's like, I had no idea who I was. He's like, well, who is this guy and why is he filming? And I was like a terrified college kid. So I stopped filming and like. Hustled back to the office like, oh, Scott, he asked me to stop filming. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, probably ought to introduce you to the coach. Yeah. <laughs> we need to get this guy a name tag or something like that. <laughs> so I did that. And then I went back to school and it was kind of just my conversations with them was like, I'll just come back. And when I graduate, just have a full time job because they were like, we want to expand. We want to hire more people. And like, you can pay a college kid nothing. So let's he'll do it. <laughs> yeah, um, make it happen. And then they like, by the time I graduated, everyone had left and a whole new people had joined. And so the job wasn't there anymore. Um, So I was like, I'll do anything to stay involved. And they were like, cool, you can be the color broadcaster for just the home games. And I was like, okay, like, what does it pay? Like 25 bucks a game. (laughs) No. Uh, And I was like, all right. I was living at home. I was like, this is what I'm going to, this is my story. I'm going to break in. Like, I'll be able to tell everybody when I'm on ESPN one day, like I was doing $25 a game broadcast. <laughs> and, I made it big. Um, and after about three months, I was like, yeah, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so I ended up moving. That's when I moved out to Tulsa. It just like the like guy moved out to Tulsa to work with FC Tulsa because I'd met someone who worked for Nashville when they were in USL. And like, you know, I happened to work for the team I lived in and then you just meet people when teams come in and then they use those people go to another team and the snowball just keeps getting bigger, I guess. So did the $25 a game, did they also give you like a lunch or a dinner at halftime? Was like a media meal provided at all? Okay, yes, that's good. At least. It, was, that's good. It, was, uh, it was hometown pizza. 
I know that's in Louisville. I don't know if it's in it's in Cincinnati, but uh, it was I don't it was think good. we have one. It was good. It, it was good press box food, all things considered. Like they fed me. I got unlimited sodas. Nice. <laughs> now that's a perk. Yeah. You got, you got to make sure you drink as many free sodas as possible if you're only making $25 a game. So I have to ask you this, though. Yeah. Um, is there a small part of you that misses uh, USL yes. social media? Because I do. It was wild. There were characters involved in that. There were fan bases that were consisted of maybe five people tops <laughs> that you were interacting with. It was the best. And just MLS pales in comparison to the colorful like world that is minor league soccer social media. It, I will say this. I started social media and now I do PR and like people think those are the same things. And in some ways they kind they're of not. are, but they're not right. right. And the first time you tweet something from like an official brand account, it's really cool. And like yeah. the second and the third time, it's it's pretty cool. And then by the fifth time you've done it, you're like, I'm good. Don't need to do this anymore. Like the, <laughs> I have done this already. <laughs> and so for me, like, that's how I felt about it. So I was like, I need to get out of the social media, but the, like there, it was this, it was its own world that like was so real and it felt massive when you're in it. And then like, as soon as you're not in it anymore, you're like, what are those people like, screaming about? Was, what the hell was I doing paying attention to this? <laughs> hey, what are those 10 people doing over there screaming? What are they talking about? There, there, when were you're, multiple, when you're there were multiple nights in USL where I would just be sitting on my couch on my phone and my wife would look over and go like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm fighting with another soccer fan on the internet. She just <laughs> put your phone down, you goon. Like streamer gate? Like the the the, oh. the the streamer game was yes. What truly in my head, I thought that was going to go down as like one of the most historic sporting <laughs> moments in Louisville City history. Like Louisville, the city history. I was like, everyone's gonna remember the streamer game. Oh man, no, we all still do. Like yeah. everyone, the, like, two of you the eight to... people that remember are right here. <laughs> no, that's that. You go into the Bailey I, and you say, hey. Remember Streamergate? I guarantee you're going to have a 40% hit rate on people <laughs> of like, oh, yeah, that was ridiculous. And that was kind of awesome. <laughs> I'll the, here's the first time I'll lean into the stereotype of PR guy is like a cop. Um, did either of you throw streamers? No, I was not there. Kevin, you don't have to answer that question. <laughs> I wasn't in the city. <laughs> Good luck pinning on this. Pinning this one on me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was do... there, and I will neither confirm nor deny that any streamers <laughs> were thrown. That's the right answer. <laughs> I do know that one of the Weigels, oh, I, I was going to say one of the Weigels' mothers, uh, it, it, probably both of their mother, uh, was kicked out. Or maybe it was Subling's mother. One of the CST podcast hosts' mother was kicked out of that first row. So... I'd probably That's football heritage. I'd pin it all on her. <laughs> That's right. When you outlaw streamers, only outlaws will have streamers. Remember that. God, so true. <laughs> <laughs> that that should have been the TIFO for the Open Cup game. Oh, man. We did do so. This is now we're going to go yeah. deep. So in the following year, Stranger Things was very popular. And there was an attempt to do a really big streamers things TIFO when Louisville first came to Cincinnati. But we were trying out a new technology, quote unquote, for the TIFO. And it got all twisted up and the TIFO never 
unfurled the name properly. And for the rest of the season, USL used the clip of that TIFO not being deployed properly in the promo of the league. It's <laughs> <laughs> so annoying. <laughs> they knew exactly what they were doing. A hundred percent. So one, one last question before we get off social media. Um, how many, if any, oopsies did you have when you accidentally tweeted something from the wrong account? Either should have gone to the official account and tweeted it on your personal account or should have been on your personal account and tweeted it to the real account. Because you say that after the first couple of times, it stops being special. The pit in your stomach feeling <laughs> when you screw up which account you're tweeting on is very real especially when one of the accounts you're tweeting on is a blue check account that shouldn't be talking about soccer or some other thing that you're, uh, that you're currently tweeting about. I can't remember. I don't know that I ever did. And I'll be honest with you. I was never in control. I probably was never in control of the account long enough for it to have happened. Mm. Like I think I just transitioned out of it too quickly. And when I was an intern doing social media, like they give you the Instagram login. Uh, I see. I, I definitely, I definitely posted a Louisville City Instagram post, like a match day post or something, on my personal on accident. I, I, I definitely done. That's my more like that's my favorite version of it. Like, yeah, like the official account that's like you know an NBA account tweeting about a Premier League game on accident one morning. Like that's funny. It's way funnier when someone's personal account has like the important press release up. I did that today. Oh no <laughs> Did the war pigs have a uh, stance on the the state of Ohio in some way, shape, or form? No, but my okay. personal Instagram account certainly did. So that was a, I got a notification. I was like, "Why does Jesse like this? She doesn't fall." Oh, oh no! Oh, I got to delete that real quick. <laughs> uh, one Tough last scenes. One last question before we leave your uh your, your terrible dark days over at louisville city um i have to i have to give you the loyalty test here did gb bite now mccabe yes oh, yes come on. <laughs> i was there for it i was there for it <laughs> i was i wrote the story post game <laughs> Despite the fact that I have yet to find a single person, including his teammates, that say he didn't bite him, I'm still holding on. <laughs> it's way funnier the, to think that he didn't. I'm going to be the last man defending him. I don't care. I don't want to be right. I just want to. It feels right in here. It doesn't need to feel right anywhere else. It was it, when he came and did the sword. Yeah. Like it was, you know, to people. Fortunately or unfortunately, who weren't there for those days, maybe didn't know the story, they would ask, like, who is that? And I'm like, oh, he bit a Louisville City player one time. <laughs> That's all you need to know for me to be ride or die with a man. Like, he bit a Louisville City player. Love him. He's one of and us. And he scores when he wants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and precisely when he wants, not a moment after, not a moment before. Moment later. <laughs> he is locked in on exactly when he needs that one goal. Uh, so then talk me, talk me, no, talk to me about how you make your way from Louisville to the Cross River, I'll call it rival, FC Cincinnati. Did you feel dirty doing this? So, yeah, so I spent like a year and a half in Tulsa. Um, like that's the end of that story. And <laughs> like as I had a friend who worked, who you know, we worked in comp and content in in Tulsa and he took a job with Cincinnati um 
and was, you know, it was maybe about a month after he left and he was like, Hey, look, um, they're probably going to hire a cops position. Would you want it? And I was looking to leave Oklahoma and I was like, but I get Cincinnati. Like, it's like, you don't understand. You weren't, you're not a part of that. Like you like, that's kind of a big deal. And he was like, dude, it's completely different. Like you have to get over it. Do you, would you rather stay in, in Oklahoma? And I was like, you're very right. And so <laughs> I, I thought back to when I was like out of college doing the freelance stuff, Lou city played at Nippert in the open cup. Yeah. And I was, I, my job was to stand behind either goal and like get social video, social videos for if we scored or something, we being Louisville city. And if, uh, and like, I'm standing underneath the Bailey wearing my bright purple Louisville city polo, just getting berated by the Bailey <laughs> beyond belief. And I was like, I have to go work for those guys. <laughs> and so I took the job the next day <laughs> because as much as I would have remembered the rivalry, like, like the, the idea of going to work for a team where like the fans care that much was, was real. And I was like, I have like, I have to go work for a team where the fans care that much. So it, like that's it, as soon as it, the thought entered my mind and then immediately left it. I'm like, yeah, you know, I can get over this and I'm glad. <laughs> I did. I'm glad that the Bailey heckling you was the selling point. And I'm curious if there's any players we, we could potentially recruit using the same method. So <laughs> <laughs> we boo because we love, obviously. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, people still like we can we'll get into, it, I guess, eventually. But like talking about when Messi was here like a couple weeks ago, like people, the journalists and media people will mention like, I can't believe that your stadium was so orange and blue and you guys booed Messi. It's like, yeah, of course they did. Like that was the most obvious thing that was going to happen. <laughs> Kevin, just, is, can we can we declare a moratorium? Uh, yes, but all, it's it's all right. I mean, we still haven't decided when, a punishment when, when, when DeAndre Yedlin showed up. Sorry, there we, there we go. go. Yeah, no, was... no, it's like because we can talk about this, but I'm just I'm not going to be the one that said it twice. I'm not going to do it. I've already I mean, I'm okay. already in Dutch right now. <laughs> wait, wait, I feel like the interview is a safe space. It's like okay. uh, right. it's 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 the embassy. It's technically another country's soil here. Um, so we can like talk it's, it's about not it. my it's not my podcast, but like I respect the rules enough to 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 know that <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> it, but it was pretty awesome that we booed the shit out yes. of them. That was pretty cool. Yes. <laughs> it like honestly, I was shocked at how how much Miami showed up because so many of the tickets had been distributed, I think before he was confirmed or, or just so immediately after that it was like felt like so many of those tickets were already going to be claimed by Cincinnati fans. I don't begrudge anybody, you know, making a grand on their tickets or whatever. But like, yeah, I was I was surprised it was as pink as it was, uh, which is funny because I imagine the rest of the world. Yeah, was was shocked at how orange and blue it was. Um, so let's go there then. How like MLS is a different level from USL, um, which is a different level than, you know, interning in USL and, and even college. And then Messi comes to town and kicks it all up a notch. Like how much more different? I don't know. My language is all over the place. How different was that game day experience versus, say, the average big MLS match? It was the, that's the most difficult thing that we've ever had to do. Like mm. I say, we specifically probably talking about like the comms team because we're in, you know, we're in charge of all the media that get access to the game. Right. And so, I mean, we're talking about like two to three times the normal amount of media, people from all over the place, 
five, like at least at least six different countries. Um, and the, every one of them, I don't know why they thought this. Every one of them thought they were getting a one-on-one interview with Messi. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, it, I don't know the amount of people that I had to tell, like, he's not even speaking at a press conference, probably. <laughs> And like, if he, right. if he does, I'm not in control of it. <laughs> but he better speak Spanish because he does not speak English at all in any of his media that he does. <laughs> and that well, that was the challenge, too, is like, I'm the only one on our comms team that speaks Spanish. So like 50 percent of the day, I was the only one who could deal with anything that was coming oh. up. Um, so it all went well. Like, I look back on it and it's like that was probably the, the most difficult day of my work life. But it was it was awesome. Like it all went well, you know, nothing went cat- catastrophically wrong. Like nobody ran on the field and hugged Messi. Um, <laughs> all, you know, all the things that we did to stop that from happening worked, which was great. So it's funny. It was funny to host an MLS game three days later. Right. Right. Just- no, it was, it was funny. Like we talked about it on here, how it felt like weirdly anticlimactic that we were going back to play another MLS game, that this very much felt like a season finale and like the show should go on hiatus for a little bit. But then right. So talk to me about that a little bit. So you have this big build to an event like this. As someone involved in comms, how do you get yourself, your team, and by extension, the fan base and the media and everybody that you interact with, how do you build them back to being interested? Like, okay, it's time to move on. We've got this rest of the season to go after a big sort of crescendo moment like that. My fancy draft is starting. Oh, <laughs> oh we should do it. <laughs> All right, we should point out, we should point out, uh, John was very nice in saying that he would come and do the interview tonight with the fact that his fantasy draft was starting at an absurd hour. Yes. We have agreed to let him do the fantasy draft while he's conducting the interview on one condition. We need to know the name of your fantasy football team, and we also need to know who else is involved in this league that you're drafting in. So yeah, it's some other members of like the FCC, like comms and content team. And uh, my team, my team name is Corn Cobb TD. Corn Cobb TD. I like it. I like you ever seen the show? I think you should leave. It's Corn. like, a oh yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. No, that's good. Okay. I, just, I don't know if that was, this was a safe space for that. Oh no. It, very, very, very safe there. Um, what pick do you have? How large is the league? 12 team league. I've got the ninth pick. <sighs> Snake draft um, format, obviously. So you're going to come back and have like two pretty close proximity picks to one another. Yeah. And we're almost up here. Um, Who's available on the board? What are we yeah, talking about right now? We can help you here. We'll see. Devontae Adams, Bijan Robinson, Saquon, Derrick Henry. Well, Devontae Adams just got taken. So, well, that, oh, that no, that was, uh, oh, Bijan again. I'll take Devontae Adams. There yeah. You go. Probably. Yeah. I don't yes. think any of those other running backs are reliable enough to spend a first round pick on. Yes. But anyway, remember we played yes. Miami and then we played New York <laughs> three days later. Um, I think it would have helped. It, it helped that that game wasn't the only thing that we had going on this season. Right. Like if we had been in a position that we have been in in the past and that was the only thing that we had, it would have been really tough to be like, you know, and we got New York City, but that game <laughs> became incredibly important because you're still top of the supporter shield and you've lost two games in a row now, like you need to get back on track. So it was, it was actually surprisingly easy to be like, this is still a massive game. And you could tell kind of that, you know, and doing the interviews with, with coach or with players, like they were up for it. And so it was pretty easy to like, get yourself galvanized back up for like on Friday. It was pretty easy on Thursday. It was tough. Yeah. (laughs) 
You, but by you Friday, that, it was like, we got to do this. <laughs> you need that day for the hangover, for sure, of it. Um, you may not be able to say this, and that's totally fine. Did you get any absurd credential requests, like an outlet that you never hear from, or like an absurd, like, what is Vogue asking for a credential here, or something something crazy like that? <laughs> for, the, for that Wednesday game? For the yeah, for, game? The, for the Miami game. Yeah, we got um, a credential request from The Post. <laughs> you got you, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. <laughs> don't take. <laughs> well, actually funny enough we didn't get a credential request from the post, but we um we got a credential request from a Instagram account that covers basketball. It's like a basketball culture <laughs> account that said in the notes of the application that they were really interested in um they were really interested in starting to cover soccer. And they think that this would be the great time to start covering soccer. Sure, sure would have been. Would. <laughs> and so we said, can we direct you to Saturday's game against NYCFC? It'd be all another great chance to cover soccer. And that was sort of our pivot for like anybody that was applying that we thought were just applying to like get a chance to see Messi. It yeah. was like, oh, we'd love to have you credential. Come to the game on Saturday. <laughs> Did you, was there a temptation to respond to any of these people with just a link to SeatGeek? <laughs> if it wasn't sold out, that would actually have been a pretty good pretty good. <laughs> we, we will let you bring a notebook in, I promise. Uh, so well, the, all the soda uh, you can, all the soda you can drink on us. <laughs> Come find me. So, I mean, we, we've kind of touched on it here and there. John, as the communications manager, I see the title on the website. What what is it you say you do there at FC Cincinnati? What does this job entail? I feel like I'm still explaining it. I mean, it, like everybody needs PR, right? right? I mean, every organization. So at the end of the day, like it starts with that. It's PR. It's, it's you know, communications, public relations, things like that. But um we have a nice team. Like I love our team of, of comms folks. And like my job probably specifically revolves around um, media relations, like getting our guys, our coaches, our players, our staff out there doing interviews, um, building notoriety. Cause at the end of the day, like your job's harder in a lot of ways if you're LA, but it's also a lot easier because everyone will talk about you and you can just sit back and do nothing. Like we are the smallest market in the league. Like it requires a lot of active effort to get our guys and our team talked about. And so it's, it's a lot of that. It's like developing those relationships, finding ways to get people talking about FC Cincinnati, about the players, about the coach. Cause like, there's a lot of good stories here. Right. And so that's, it's just a lot of work, you know, doing things like that. And you're in a town, it's the smallest market in MLS and it's a diehard sports town that has the oldest team in baseball and a Super Bowl favorite NFL team when NFL like runs the world right so right. Um, right it's sort of that constant grind of just like pestering people like hey remember fc cincinnati we're top of the, we're top of the standings you want to talk about our guys you want to talk to coach Newton? you want to talk to these players like just i request things of media i request things of players i'm the guy who needs stuff all the time so <laughs> it's an interesting point you bring up about doing media and connecting players and coaches with media mls is notoriously different than just about every other soccer league in the world in terms of the level of media availability that is expected of players um not just a reality of the american sports market how do you go about doing your job when we bring in a player like say an aaron bapenza not him specifically obviously but a player that is new to mls and introducing them to the concept of there's a little more of an expectation 
for your job to help not only score goals in the field, but also help us to sell tickets and build interest outside of that as well by being available to the media. Yeah, it's that's what people always say is like, oh, who's the most difficult to work? It's like when you're asking the American guys are easy because they grew up in the media world like they that's we all grew up seeing it like coaches do interviews all the time. Players do interviews all the time, all the time on the field after the game in the locker room before the game. Like the media is just everywhere in America and that's just normal. But I'll never forget like when we brought in when we brought in Obi, like he's a very shy person. He's not super extroverted and on the, like his first game that like after the game excuse me after the game's over we're like all right i walk in the locker room all right guys media is coming in it's like 15 minutes after full time we open the locker room to the media like media is coming in and his face is just like what oh, no. <laughs> and oh, no. i just tried trot in our fine journalists and they're like all right who do you want to talk to and they all want to talk to the brand new dp oh. and he's like sitting there like in his jersey still like just kind of waiting for the media to leave so that he can go shower and it was like <laughs> i was like oh man you, you just go you shower like we'll do the interview whenever you're ready um and it's like that's what it is like when these international guys come in especially if they've just never like santi arias like played at the top levels of europe like he's been exposed to the media machine as those leagues have grown but like when the, when these guys come in from who have not played you know they've played only internationally they come to america like it's a big culture shock of just like the, the media is there all the time. They're, they want to talk to you all the time, especially if you're a big player. Like that's a big culture shock. And do you guys do anything to try and sort of prepare them? Or like, if you sense that like, Oh, you know, he's not interested in dealing with the media. Do you talk to them at all through that? Is there anything that you guys do to try and help the players do better at this? Or is it just sort of a, we're going to let them figure it out on their own, they're professionals and we'll let their personalities figure things out and show things through. Yeah. I mean, it's like about developing relationships. Like if, if I can get them to trust me, like they probably don't want to do what I'm asking them to do. But if, if I, at least, if they at least trust me that I'm not going to put them in a situation to fail, then they'll be like, okay, they'll at least suck it up and be like, okay, well, he's never led me wrong before. Um, so, you know, it's just about building those relationships, explaining why we need to do it, you know, saying, Hey, they're going to ask you this kind of thing. They're going to talk to you about the game tonight. Hey, you scored. Like they're going to ask you to talk about your goal. Like you, you don't need to say anything that's going to, it's like groundbreaking. Just be like, really excited to score today. That was a great pass from Lucho. Like that's, that's all you need to say. And they just need to put that in their, in their story. Like that's it. It is funny how basic it really becomes. It's just like they, the reporter just wants you to say that you, you, you took a good shot and you're happy it went in just so they can literally say, quote unquote, Obi said this. Like yeah. it's just they know what you're gonna say. Right. Like they already know it. Like you just have to say it so that they can say that you said it. That's it. Right. They, all they are looking for is that they, they already know what they want you to say and what they're going to write anyway. You just need to say it so they can attribute it to you and actually be an accurate quote. Oh yeah, and the other thing too is that I understand that like English is a strange language. If they say talk about and don't end it with a question. That still is a question, and you should just talk about whatever they want you to say. <laughs> it's it's a command, and you should follow it. <laughs> oh God! Um, well, I uh, I don't know, John. Uh, you are a uh, a listener to the podcast. You yourself have a post 
a postcast, a podcast. <laughs> um, hopefully you don't have a postcast. That the SEO is going to get all messed up between the two of us. Uh, John, do you have any advice for the postcast as we enter the uh, the last stretch of the season here? We come we come to the professional on our knees asking for advice. That's a hard one. I like that answer though. That means we're doing everything exactly right. <laughs> no, I mean I just think that like at the at the end of the day, like you you're I'm not that <laughs> don't be all and other stuff, but like you're yourself you're aware of what this is. Like this is a dumb podcast that we do with our friends to talk about the thing that we're way too emotionally attached to. Like yes. we we are very similar. We do podcasts about eleven guys chasing a ball. That the sport originated in different countries, but it doesn't matter because we're way too emotionally attached to eleven guys running around chasing a ball. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, shocking how much of our lives are dedicated to that concept. And I would never change it. <laughs> <laughs> definitely worse cha- problems to have. Eleven guys chasing a ball, and occasionally we revel in the failures of our rivals, and that just you know that's sort of we, that's completely normal. Small part of you, small part of you, really enjoyed Brian Kelly getting the absolute piss beat out of him on national television this week, right? Small part, large part. <laughs> I, Most I try to stay away from. Like I hate watched that game. I hate bet that game so hard. <laughs> Oh, that, that is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, as a UC fan here, uh, very similar, very similar vibes. So didn't mind. It's crazy. Tell. I mean, do you feel this way, though, like from being around UC at that time? Like, did you feel this level of Stockholm syndrome when he left of like, like you convinced yourself so many times that it was so good when he was here? And then when he left, you were like, it can be so much better. A hundred percent because UC fans have been doing this with every single coach since D'Antonio. Like other than Tuberville, it's been like uh, I Senator Tuberville. Excuse me, Senator <laughs> Tuberville. <laughs> like Butch Jones. It was like we were very successful with Butch Jones uh, as the as the coach. And um, yeah, when he left, you're like, damn. Is the is the you know, is the university going to bounce back from this? This is a huge blow. Fast forward to last week and he's crying, getting beat 72 to nothing or six or something. It was It's like, yeah, all right, we we can continue to improve here. It's not too bad. It's like I, the day that Kelly left, like that was just such a crazy week. And then obviously like Freeman takes over and like just the culture and the vibe around Notre Dame is like so much better now. But I'll just I'll never forget like the day the, the first podcast we did after he left. Johnny was like, wasn't it like a year ago that you were saying that we should build a statue of him like outside the stadium? And I was like, yeah, but I don't, I didn't mean any of that. But I, I did say that. Like I felt that because it was like, I was so ready, so willing to convince myself that like he was, and it's so like watching LSU do the exact same thing. Like they're so convinced that it'll be fine. They'll figure it out. No, he's got know, like guys. this, he's got this incredible sort of like Jedi power to make you forget that he's a total shithead, like in the moment yes. that he's coaching your school. And so, yeah, like the way I look back on that at his time at UC was in the moment, like keeping them up. We back up on the clock here. Soon, 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 Sorry. soon, okay. soon. All right, no, it's, it's, I, saw, I saw the eyes got wide and all of a sudden I was like, oh, we're making a draft pick here. But no, with Brian Kelly, it's like 
you in the moment, it's the most important thing ever. Like we have to get him to stay. He's going to do this for the school. And then the second he leaves, everyone looks at each other and was like, he was kind of a fucking asshole this entire time. <laughs> and just we couldn't verbalize that while he was here because we were so afraid he'd go somewhere else and the wheels would fall off. But the man's a used car salesman. I don't understand why we loved him so much when he was here. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I know so there's some other people in my life that like just actively want them to go like, oh, and 12 lose every game like i don't feel that way about it like i probably enjoyed watching Dabo lose on monday night more but like yeah no i I don't miss that at all don't miss that at all yeah (laughs) originally way back in the day the rumor on brian kelly was is that he was angling ironically for a position in politics that like everybody had him pegged as a future politician and so which is hilarious that tuberville beat him to the senate because like (laughs) there was like these conversations that like yeah brian kelly's career path is to get to notre dame and then go coach in the nfl and transition that into a career in politics like that's how he had mapped out his career for himself and I feel like LSU is such a departure from his career. Oh, no, 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 no. The, the minute he showed up at that basketball game with the fake Southern accent, I was like, this man still wants to get into politics. This man still thinks he can get elected. I could not believe he did that. That is uh, Iowa County Fair energy right there. <laughs> See? Right? It's like, I'm one of you people. I'm one of y'all. That's what you say down here, right? This pale white gumbo. Um, <laughs> uh, well, John, that does it for me, Chief. I don't know if you have anything else, but I think I think we've uh, we've got we got the quotes we need. We'll run this story. Right. So. It's like I said, we already knew what we wanted to write. We just needed to get him to say it so that we can then run the quotes. This is the important part right here, as we've learned. Oh God. Well, this was it was just so strange to like. Again, like I've done, I do, I've done a podcast. I've done almost a hundred episodes of a podcast. Like to be interviewed on a podcast was like i was actually nervous for this and it, the subject <laughs> oh, matter was not what made me nervous it was just like i've Us. never been on the other side oh. of this before <laughs> right well you should see all the gotcha questions we threw away right before you signed on so <laughs> <laughs> next time oh, where are we absolutely. at right now where are we at on the roster right now yeah, give us an update before like? you sign off all right we're we're heading in around six um i'm okay we're okay right now like i've got Tony Pollard and Damian Pierce at running back. Good nice. choices. I've got Devontae Adams and Chris Olave at receiver. Love it. Um, I just got Kenny Walker, so I have a third running back. I'm, but I'm just sitting here like, wait, when's the time to take a QB? Because like Burrow and Allen, all those guys are gone. So it's yeah. like, do I want Dak or Kirk Cousins or concussed Tua? Kirk, um, you stay, when you wait to draft the quarterback like this, you're just looking for the stat accumulator. You're not looking for anything more than the guy who's going to make all 16 starts and get you about two touchdowns a week. Kirk Cousins is a phenomenal pick in this spot right that's here. That's your guy. That's just the empty guy. numbers week after week. So my thought was I can go there or I can go to tight end. We can get Kittle, Dallas Goddard, Pat oh Firemuth. Kittle's still on the board? Yeah. But he's like, people aren't high on him this year, I guess. I don't know. I don't know why you would ever See, not be high on George Kittle. I, there's too many weapons. The The target share goes down. They do have him pass block quite a bit, more than some of the other receiving guys. My opinion, you wait to the very last round. You grab uh, Tyler Higby for your last pick. It, Michael Mayer. You throw your dice with Hayden Hurst. Did that in a draft? Look, you got a rookie. A rookie quarterback's going to need the safe, soft hands of Hayden uh, of Hurst there in uh, Carolina. I feel like you could. Carolina is going to be so bad. 
Oh, absolutely. They're going to be atrocious. <laughs> I, say that, um, I say this is a Buccaneers fan with Baker Mayfield as my quarterback. I'm already penciling us in for two wins against Carolina. That's saying something. Yeah. I, I like, I grew up a Colts fan. I was born in Indianapolis, but like they've been really hard to love for the last six years. And like you live in Cincinnati and like it just becomes addicting. So like I adopted a Xavier fandom. Um, Ooh, I, wait, you went to Dayton and you adopted Xavier? That's I, I don't, again. I don't. I've been down, I don't like recognize Dayton. I just went there for a year. <laughs> it was a means to an I end. love it. I love it. No, I love it. My, my I got, wife I got went COVID at Xavier. I got a co- I got COVID at D'Artagnan's deck. Like I, I feel like I was just, I'm bonded to the Cintas Center. <laughs> Hell yeah! No, that's Xavier season ticket holder. Like yeah, let's go jump on the bandwagon. So I'm like I adopted a, Z- a Xavier fandom. Like I kind of adopted a Bengals fandom. I I kind of care about the Reds. Like I've just kind of fully bought into the Cincinnati thing. Um, it, so. it happens to the best of us. There is a there's a giant uh, magnet under Fountain Square, and the longer you live in Cincinnati, and it's mainly eating the chili, the the iron fillings just sort of get into your body, and it becomes harder and harder and harder to leave the pool of that <laughs> magnet. And try as you might, you might even escape for a little bit. It pulls you right back in. It is impossible. <laughs> oh, we we forgot to even to mention in your bio. You're one of the few expat or not expats, one of the few uh, immigrants oh, yes. to Cincinnati who, when they ask you, where did you go to high school? You can give a straight answer to that question and it plays as long as you don't elaborate. <laughs> I know. I hate having to say Louisville St. X. Just say We're St. The X. Better Saint a- We're the better St. X. Since St. X is so much easier to say than Louisville St. X anyway. Too many syllables. Yeah, it's you're gonna get tongue tied. Too many drinks, and it's gonna come out wrong. That's fair, but you're right. Yeah, and well, I don't. I don't ever get at. I mean, we have Skyline in Louisville. I've I've never had it. Uh, and it became a thing in the office, and so we kind of talked about it. And I think we have something coming for maybe if we achieve something that I will have Skyline for a week. Just as long as you guys don't do what Nashville did to, I think, their comms intern. I am assuming you saw this video. They uh, tied him up to a chair and had their mascot throw it at him and dump it on him. Oh, yeah. I was oh. there because like I was I was in Nashville for the game. And I remember just thinking that was so weird. <laughs> it's yeah. like kind of disturbing. Yeah. Like It's not funny. <laughs> that was it was like weird. Yeah. yeah, it's like I feel like this is this is going to get your fraternity thrown off campus when you do shit like this. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I've never had it, but it's like on the list. I, I feel like I have to like be forced to. So that's why. I... So there was a, this is we're going way long. Chief, on this, I this was is, trying to end this like ten minutes ago. <laughs> One of I'm not going to say their name, but there was a person who was in your position at this club some time ago that told a story to a mutual acquaintance of ours that uh, about when they had a big signing coming to FC Cincinnati and this person took them (laughs) to Skyline and said, look, you're going to get asked if you've eaten this. So you may as well try. We're going to send a picture out that says that you tried it and just get ahead of the story because this is all anyone's going to care about is whether or not you've actually tried Skyline. And so they went and they did them. They had the player take one bite of a coney. He said, I hate this. And they're like, it's okay. We got the photo. And they put it down and they walked out of the building. <laughs> an, old, an old mentor of mine once said, it is not that deep. <laughs> <laughs> 
That would be my my official PR take on that. Is it is not that deep. Not that deep. You can just simply say, as a new incoming player, never had it before, and they're not going to ask you again. Yeah, I eat clean. I don't put anything resembling that in my body ever. I'm a million dollar athlete. <laughs> just just speed running these Cincinnati experience. I love it. <laughs> All right. Well, John, you've been so gracious. We have ruined the first half of your draft, and we appreciate your time. Thank you so much for coming on. No, of course, guys. Thanks for having me. Chief, I reached for Kirk Cousins. Like I did not need to take him, and I took him anyway, like five rounds too early just for you. So I'll let you know how it goes. This is awesome. Hey. Kirk Cousins has never disappointed a franchise or people <laughs> ever in his history. So nothing about this can go wrong. I'm very confident. Look, I, I believe if Justin Jefferson is good for first pick overall, his quarterback has to be worth something, right? Like you can't you can't do it. Somebody's gotta it. get him in the ball. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you so much, John. Thanks, guys. And we are back. And again, huge thanks to uh, to John for coming on the podcast. That was a ton of fun. Loved that conversation. And I don't know, I like giving people a, a glimpse behind the uh, behind the scenes of the OFC there. Yeah, I like that. I also I just I keep going back to what it. I love the fact that he had to think twice about taking a job in Cincinnati because he was a Louisville <laughs> guy. That that brings me so much joy. Yes. That's that's how you know like he's a real fan. And I assume at this point he is is become fully bought in to FCC. But like I love somebody who gets that invested in their sports. It's like uh, I don't know if I want my dream job right now. Right. Like, <laughs> I don't know if I should take this job. It's like, are you a nutball? It's a major league soccer team. You're living in Tulsa. Right. Yeah, but it's FCC in Louisville. Like, I feel like I'd have some explaining to do back home. I love that. That makes me yeah. so happy. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, look for John. If I remember correctly, John is the voice that you will hear during press conferences. If you get a chance to, to listen to those, he's the one directing everybody. So there you go. That's, that's you how go. you know who we were talking to there. No, I love, I do. I do love talking to the people that actually make this team run. Like yeah. if you haven't, if you're diving back into the archives ever, if you're bored, we had a great interview with Dan McNally right yes. at the start of the postcast. It should still be up on the podcast feed. We st- we do timestamp everything. I think we were still timestamping things back yep. then. But um, you don't need to listen to us talk about nonsense. Go fu- just go listen yeah. to the interview with Dan. Dan is a phenomenally interesting member of the club, and all those club employees we've had the benefit of talking to over the years. It's just it's fun to learn how your favorite team actually goes about the business of being your favorite team, and it's a yeah. lot more than just kicking the ball and scoring goals. So that's kind of cool. The McNally episode in particular is awesome. I think yeah. I, I just like uh, I loved that conversation. Really good dude. I want to say it was like episode four. Or yeah. Something. So, so pardon like, the fact that we really don't know. We didn't. We still don't know what we're doing. But like no. we really didn't know what we were doing. when We got that one. We just uh, wanted to talk to Dan because Dan's a cool guy and he was like the first employee. Yeah. So back, back when the the pitch of the postcast was we'd have a guest every week because. That's a lot to do. It turns yeah, out. It, it turns out that's that's really hard. <laughs> and, and and some people are very eager to go on your podcast with 12 listeners. Other people are kind of like, who? 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm busy. Get back to me in six months or so. Yeah. I have another, another thing I can do that is not that. I've literally anything better than this right here. (laughs) Uh, Well, Chief, we are in a mini off season, so why not bust out the old standby, old classic here in the eleven. Out of the 18, soccer or otherwise, we are putting something in the 11, something that we've enjoyed recently, or out of the 18, we're kicking it out of the team. It can go play with Postcast 2 uh, this week. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody else can deal with it. We're not dealing with that anymore. Uh, So, Chief, I ask you, what is in your 11? What is out of your 18? Uh, In the 11 this week is password sharing. In account oh. sharing. Yeah. Uh, because I don't know if ask your parents or some boomer relative, if you don't know already, but um, Spectrum Cable is having a little <laughs> bit of a dust up with ESPN right now. And so mm-hmm. the number of people in my immediate family that have hit me up to say, hey, how many accounts on YouTube TV are you allowed to uh, <laughs> to have? Including, uh, you know, Papa Chief made the uh, the text message ask, can you can you get me added to your account? Because I really want to watch whatever game it was that was on. Um, oh, I no. think it's hilarious still in 2023 that we are still having the cable channel fights oh, yeah. with providers and that it's still a thing that. I can have a subscription to a thing that I pay for. I can have a Spectrum subscription that I got specifically because I wanted to watch this. And they just can't agree on the channels they're carrying. Not just the channels they're carrying. ESPN. Like, what the hell? Uh, It's, I don't. Like, I understand why they have to pick this fight, right? Like, sure. Why not? If you're Spectrum, you gotta you gotta stand up for yourself on some level. But like they can't be winning. (laughs) No. (laughs) Like at what point do they just teach everybody that YouTube TV and Fubo and sling all exist and all work great. (laughs) It's like, and they've got like when you, apparently when you go on to ESPN on spectrum, they have this screen that's just showing that says we have offered Disney a fair market deal, but they are still unwilling to provide us their content. Uh, visit this website to know, to learn more. And it's like fairdealdisney.com or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And someone online went and realized they went on, looked on the internet registry that Spectrum registered this domain name like three weeks ago <laughs> <laughs> while they were allegedly still negotiating over. Sure. So I was like, no, you've been planning for this for a while. You were in no hurry to get a deal done on this. Right. The, the worst that ever experienced to me on this, and this is, You'll find this funny, perhaps. I was traveling with my wife last winter during the World Cup. And the hotel we stayed in had like its TV service provided by Dish Network or something. Mm -hmm. And they were in a fight with their local Fox station. So I couldn't (laughs) I couldn't watch the World Cup. (laughs) And I was, you know, we were we were the American the U.S. game was kicking off, I think, in the morning. I think it was the last game of the group stage, maybe or whatever. And I just like, oh, I'll just stay in, you know, the hell with it. I don't feel like going out to a bar this early. I'm just going to stay in the hotel and watch this game. And I go to flip it on and it's got that same screen. Like we have offered Fox this fair deal. I was like, you son of a bitch. I I was livid. I almost wrote to Marriott corporate on Twitter and just fix this. Yeah. Make this better for me. Do something. 
Uh, the uh, the internet blackout that Spectrum has done to ESPN, just a, a reminder that we all lost the net neutrality fight. That this is this is the end consequence to that, and I I hope you all are happy with yourselves. This is what, what the not open net looks like. <sighs> just utterly absurd. Yeah. What do you have in the What do you have in the uh, in the eleven, Kevin? Oh, Chief, I'm glad you asked. I um, I recently lost a video game uh in in my life. It is Eve Online. What? Wait, joke, wait, something happened. To, something happened to Eve. Oh no! Here's the thing. Uh, when you quit Eve Online, you win. Yes. That's the only way to win the game. I have lost Eve, which is to say, I'm back in, baby. They got me coming back in. I've wait, been going. Wait, so so you waited till Starfield got released and you hopped back into Eve? Oh hell yeah. That only the hardcore are with me now, baby. <laughs> Thirty thousand daily users signing in to tranquility. We're having a blast. I, if people don't know what Eve Online is, I'm about to describe to you the single most insane video game of all time. And I, I am shocked I have not made it this far into hosting a podcast without launching into I've, my favorite tirade. I've known you for like half a decade and I didn't know you played Eve. This is incredible. I love, I love this game. I've never played it. I just oh. read about it constantly. Eve might be more fun to consume as content outside of the <laughs> game than to actually play the game. Uh, because if somebody tells you you get to shoot rocks or it's a spreadsheet simulator, they're not wrong. I've done both of those this week. Uh, Eve Online is a MMORPG. So if you're thinking World of Warcraft or EverQuest or something along those lines, you're right there. Um, it is all on one server. So if you play other games, everybody ends up on other servers. Every single player in the game is playing in the same universe. It is a universe sim or a galaxy simulator. There are hundreds, thousands of solar systems you can go to. It's a space game. You're in spaceships the whole time. And uh, yeah, there's hundreds of thousands of players that sign in every month to this game. It's it's like the 10th most popular online community game out there. So still going strong. This year is its 20th year in existence, which is wild that they've been doing it this long. But what makes Eve so great is every single thing in the game comes from the players. So you're flying spaceships. If you want to buy a new spaceship, you have to buy a spaceship that another player made. And that player made it by researching blueprints and buying materials. And you buy the materials from other players who mined those materials out in space. You can get into mining ships, go out with mining lasers, strip miners, destroy asteroids, and collect those resources and sell it for a bunch of money. And then, of course, you go out there and you shoot everybody you want in your spaceship because, oh, by the way, the game is 100% PvP. At any moment in the game, you can go kill another player and it is encouraged. Now, there are safer parts of the map where the NPC police <laughs> will come and kill you if you do that, but there are other parts of the game where they're very slow to respond and and then where the best part of the game kicks off, you so have what's called null sec. This the, the, is the space cops have a work slowdown. 
they have a work slowdown later on. They only hang out at the gates, so the star gates of the uh, of the of the solar system, so you don't get killed coming in. That's fine. But once you start traveling around, you're on your own. And then you get to Nullsec, which is there is no police presence whatsoever. You are on your own. If it moves, it is probably trying to kill you. This is player-owned space, and something like 80% of the map is player-owned space. So you can claim a solar system by building a space station, and all of your buddies can dock up, and everything is run through corporations that's sort of like their guilds. There's like a and deep abiding irony oh. with the fact that like you are involved heavily in a game where everything is run by corporations. <laughs> the man so who had great. the Soviet national anthem as a student music <laughs> on KLR has joined a corporation in space it is so much fun to see these like natural player alliances so the corporations all make alliances and these alliances can declare war on each other and when you declare war from one corporation to another the police don't get involved with the killings that happen in the high security space oh baby it is on you try to go buy some raw material from some solar system and you come across the wrong dude they let it happen it is noon in the high in the the high the high west there <laughs> they, they used to cover this game on a couple different gaming websites that i used to read back in the oh. day and i was riveted like legitimately <laughs> like the people yes. that wrote for this website like they were at some very good writers like talking about all of the drama that goes on here oh, like there's so an entire there's an entire with a corporation yeah. that was run by the old off the old something awful forms. Yes. And it was just a bunch uh, of griefers. Uh the goons fleet, right? They I think still are there. They're still yeah. going. Okay. So <laughs> I paid attention. I read this shit. And just the stories. And for people that don't know about this game, I've never like I said, I've never played it. Yeah. They have like a players council that gets flown to Iceland where the developers yeah. are based. They're out voting of. right now. Oh yes. my god. So they're having their, their council right now? Oh, this yes. is so exciting. Just, <laughs> this is the nerdiest thing we've ever talked about on this podcast. It's fucking saying something. Um the other thing I loved about this game, which I think that all I think if you want to get mainstream coverage as a video game developer, you need to have something in the game. So like what the genius of of Eve was is that you could use money that you made in game yes, yes. to buy because it used to be pay like pay per month like all these MMOs used to be back in the day. I yeah. think it's free now. I don't know if it's still pay per month. Uh, they, so it's funny. They give you a free version, which is great. You could probably play the entire game on the free version, uh, but they lock a bunch of skills and what ultimately becomes spaceships and sort of career opportunities for you behind a $20 a month subscription. Yes. Right. But so, I like but where you you're could, going. You could buy monthly yes. subscriptions with money you made in the game. So and you still you can. Did, okay. So you think to yourself, oh, that's kind of a neat thing. You know, you don't have to pay per month. You can use the money you're making in the game to keep playing. So you don't always have to yeah. be shelling out money to pay. What a nice thing for them to do. And I think that was probably their intention. But the unintended side effect of this, which is incredible, is that by tying the in-game currency to something that has actual, tangible, real-world value, yep. they then have the ability to convert the in-game money to real-world money, which yep. means that if um, just you <laughs> yeah. say like, oh, it cost 50 trillion space bucks 
ISK to buy this is the shit. currency. Yeah, I, yes. I know. I didn't want to. I didn't want to <laughs> say that I knew. I knew it was called ISK. Um, I don't want. I got some kayfabe. I got to protect you. You can then do the currency conversion to say this much of the fake money in the game is worth this much real money in the real world. Which means that like when they when they did stories about these like wars happening in this game, they were actually able to say thirty five thousand dollars worth of property was destroyed in the matter of minutes as these two (laughs) groups went and fought with one another. And I'm like, you know what? More things like in the virtual world should have easily transferable um, values so that I can know. It's like it's one thing to say, oh, some jack off was playing. world of warcraft or destiny or whatever the hot game is or they've been playing starfield for you know and they've they've grinded up to this level or done this thing but if you tell me oh they've earned the functional equivalent of thirty thousand dollars doing this that is actually like real world value to it then all of a sudden i'm like okay my click has been baited on this story about this game That is exactly it. So there were, uh, there were, there are uh, this class of ship that they call Titans. And Eve does a very interesting thing with its skill progression, which is you train skills in real time. So if you want to get good at missile launchers, it'll take you 15 minutes to learn it. So you queue it up and your guy will learn it in 15 minutes. It's like us learning podcasting, you know, 15 minutes and we got this figured out. 15 minutes, you you figure (laughs) it out. Um, The cumulative time it would take you to fly a titan ship is something like 430 days so you can't get into this ship for over a year so you you've got to be pretty good at this game to have committed that far the total value of building one of them in that conversion rate back in the day i haven't done the the rate exactly yet was about three thousand dollars is how much one of these little spaceships would be worth by the time you, you've added up the total value of all the resources. There you would be battles with hundreds of these ships. You know what's wild? These are actually more valuable than NFTs. So when you bought your board, <laughs> egg, yes! you should have been investing in Titan-class spaceships in EVE. Look, that was the untapped market here, you you weirdos. You're, you're preaching to the choir here. Look, when NFTs came out, and they talked about the metaverse, I just kept coming back to, you're making a shittier version of Eve. Eve is the metaverse. It is a universe that exists entirely online, populated by thousands and thousands of human beings that will pay real world dollars for the digital equivalent of the thing. All you need to do is bolt more things onto Eve. If people don't know this, back in the PlayStation 3 era, this was when they were, they had ambition, man. They came out with a game. Dust. Yeah. Dust right. came out. <laughs> Dust 514. Some, some. God, I can hear it. people. I can hear people clicking <sighs> off this episode right now. And I love it. I don't care. If you are at all interested in anything about like the future of media content, this is where it's headed. Dust was a first person shooter. So think like Call of Duty. But you battled on planets that existed in the EVE universe. And you were basically being paid by these player corporations as a first person shooter dude to go win your battle for that player corporation and they would get some benefit for it you would get paid quote-unquote in-game currency to be fighting this battle and the spaceships could provide aerial support in the first person shooter game right and you you also have to you also have to note the people that play this game are psychopaths 
hundred percent. There are <laughs> stories that are they're they're true of people that are it's year-long cons where they okay. quit a corporation, yes, join another to... corporation, work their way up the yes. ranks in the leadership yes. of this, and then steal all their shit <laughs> and oh. like run. Which means it's like so good. And, and the, the people are so into this that they were talking when this game came out, this dust thing, that like there would be non-insignificant chances that people could make real money. Like you yes. could be Venmoed real money. Like, hey, we need you to go perform a hit for us. Here's 50 bucks. Yes. Real money. Not like the in-game money. Real money to go do this. Because- 100%. <laughs> Oh man, they um because you you like claim the the solar systems for your corporation or whatever. Um there are mercenary corporations that they call invict uh, eviction groups that you can pay that they don't claim territory, but they will move somebody out of the system. <laughs> <laughs> and you pay them enough money and they'll go you tell them who they're blowing up and uh they'll they'll go blow them up. Yeah, no, the the espionage stories of like joining other corporations, because that's the thing. Scamming in Eve encouraged totally fine like as long as you're not hacking the code of the game they don't care um like it would be classic to pay somebody a bunch of money to move some expensive stuff from one part of the the uh galaxy to the other and just set up people to hijack that to, to like blow them up on their way there and then declare war on that person's corporation for not fulfilling the contract and stuff just classic nonsense yeah. um, I, I, i'll so say good. this <laughs> if any part of this conversation you've thought to yourself this sounds like a game i should play don't play it. Don't Just go read it. about it. Just go read yes. about it. Go go search <laughs> stories. They're all out there. It is wild. Like I, I spent years on various gaming websites thinking to myself, I should take this game up. And every time it was like, absolutely not. No. <laughs> No, just start a podcast instead. That's way cooler. <laughs> uh, so long, Sir Short. I'm back in. We'll see how long oh. I last, but I'm back in. <laughs> so we get some sponsors on the show, and all of a sudden you're into a life-sucking MMO that's going to decrease your podcasting time. Don't don't worry about it. Don't worry. No, about I'm not it. worried because we're going two hours on a midweek episode now. It seems like. <laughs> oh God, we really are, Chief. What's out of your eighteen? <laughs> out of my eighteen is flying. Um, I don't know if you saw this story. A Delta flight recently that was an international takeoff from Atlanta to Barcelona Mm -hmm. had to be turned around and rerouted back to the United States because a passenger developed explosive diarrhea and was (laughs) shitting apparently all the way up the aisle um, trying to make it to the bathroom in time. They posted the video footage online of what the after effects of this are. You can find it if you you don't have to look that hard on the Internet to find this and. (laughs) That is far and away my worst nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) I have no fear of flying. I do have a fear of someone starting to explode out of both ends, sitting next to me in a coach seat. I don't think (laughs) I would make it. I think I'd have to jump out the plane. (laughs) Is the person okay? Like, that sounds horrific. Like, something medically is wrong. You've you've identified the, the real thing here. It's like, it's a funny story. Until you realize that now everyone is texting their friends. We're like, hey, didn't you? Weren't you supposed to fly to Barcelona? Like, and there is one person there who's getting that text message now who is. They're the person. They're the person. Oh. And 
You, you gotta go to the hospital, right? Like yeah. even if nothing is wrong, you gotta go or, to the hospital. And or you've got you've got you, you've got to come clean and say it was me, and I'm suing the place I ate at immediately beforehand for causing food poisoning. Like you've got to you immediately have to pass blame. Like you can't you cannot ever be outed as the person that shit his way up a row of an aircraft an international on an international flight. Yeah. Oh my god. That's that's no bueno. Um, I say this having been on a flight once to Vegas where the comical is there a doctor on the flight call was made oh, no. and then all of a sudden we landed in San Antonio and it turns out there was someone on the flight who had checked themselves out against medical advice oh. and had boarded a flight on a ticket they'd bought that same day going to Vegas and was still wearing a hospital scrub like I have so many questions oh, about yeah. how Southwest allowed this person to board <laughs> it's talking about dress codes slipping on airlines <laughs> right it's like this guy was in sure, a hospital whatever. gown when he jumped on in indy didn't you have any questions about what this guy was doing fair enough just come yeah. on in <laughs> <laughs> want to get away oh god um chief out of my out, 18 out of your 18 I, I am sitting here struggling to come up with an out of the 18. So I will come up with this one. Out of my 18 is... Uh, let me glance around the room. You were, too, you, were too, you were too excited about Eve. You didn't Let's even think see. past that. I really... I, I thought about Eve and I thought, my God, this would be so much fun to talk about. And then there was nothing else. <laughs> so maybe out of my 18 is all of the time I am uh, going to be dedicating to Eve in the near future That's, is what's going to happen here. In the 11 Eve, out of the 18, uh, in the 11 Eve, out of the 18 Eve, there is nothing better yeah. and more descriptive of Eve than that statement That's, right there. That's basically it. I seriously, I, I drew up two spreadsheets to map out how much it was going <laughs> to cost me to manufacture these cruisers I needed to sell. Oh my it's a God. whole mess. I... <laughs> That's our off-season content. Is the post all gets into Eve? We'll get Grayson playing. <laughs> oh my god, it would be the awful. Po the post corp. We'll just be occupying this one really <laughs> insignificant, shitty sector of space. All Grayson, three of us. Grayson just going ham on the intricacies of the Eve market. <laughs> I guarantee He's you, Grayson will have infiltrated like six corps. <laughs> 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 oh god i uh yeah das harks would dominate this game i have no oh doubt oh my, in my god mind. oh my god he'd be if you like a true leader like he would just be, be recruiting everybody oh my god see this is like this is a strong a strange peek into what the postcast would have looked like if yap stom and gerard and i camp would have never been fired <laughs> <laughs> it would just be this <laughs> like we'd be we'd be doing a podcast about a space simulator could you imagine the content that Jonah and Mamey would yeah, generate? Yeah, I can. That's why the I'm memes. thinking that we probably would make way more money doing that than we're making with this. <laughs> Promo code the post Cincy at CincyShirts.com. We could get Max elected to the uh, the council. That they elect a council of players after a long like primary season where they all get interviewed by the developers to represent the player base to the developers and like suggest uh, new content and stuff. It's insane. They hired an economist to monitor the in-game market because one hundred percent of it is player generated. So if there's like 
uh, ammo bubble. <laughs> they gotta be careful about what <laughs> tweaks they're making to the game that doesn't like shatter the economy. Incredible. Qu- question, because I'm currently shopping for a car. What's the interest rate in the universe in, in Eve? And would I be better off shopping there for a new SUV? So there there are loans available. I should tell you about one of the all-time great and sad stories of Eve, which is there is not a bank in the system like in the game but players run banks but because fraud isn't a thing oh oh, oh, yeah we have have citizen run banks in this country too they they're named (laughs) after an animal it swims a lot and bites really badly when you get involved in it yeah what am i thinking here um So this is great, too, because in EVE, the banks can literally put bounties on people and have them killed for money in the game. Uh, But there was the largest bank in EVE maybe 15 years ago, um, was sort of the lifeblood of the economy, working funded wars and whatnot. Uh, The guy just one day closed up shop. All of your deposits, all of your money, just poof, <laughs> gone. Uh, turns out he uh, had some pretty rough medical bills to pay off, and he helped pay off the equivalent of like $20,000 in medical debt, converting the in-game currency into playing time, and then and then was able to get the tokens out. Just incredible. Just incredible what he was able to do i thought you were gonna say like they paid his bills off just please come back and open the bank back up we, we <laughs> hell need to get no our, man we, that's eve it's yeah. cutthroat <laughs> there's no fdic in space you, you're a moron for handing your money over yeah. to somebody else yeah <laughs> fuck uh, well, well this episode went off the rails <laughs> There was a moment earlier tonight where we thought we might not get an hour out of this. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, Oh. Chief, end it mercifully, please. (laughs) In this universe, in any universe, fuck Columbus. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Cincy Postcast, which is a production of The Post Cincy. You can check us out at thepostcincy.com for all of our written content as well as links to our social media. You can follow us on Twitter and as well you can join us on our Discord server. You can find links to that server both in this episode description as well as on our website. That is where most of our conversations are going on. We have a lovely community there talking about FC Cincinnati, MLS, anything and everything else and everything in between. We also want to give a huge thanks to Jim Trace and the Makers for providing all of the music you've heard throughout this episode. They're an amazing local Cincinnati band. Again, more information about them is in the description of this episode. And if you enjoyed what you listened to, You've made it to the end, so I'm going to assume you liked it or you just can't reach your stop button. Please like us, review us, subscribe to us wherever you are getting your podcasts. That is going to be really, really helpful. But more importantly, share this with a friend. A personal recommendation helps sped a podcast so much further. So please share this if you know somebody in your life who's an FC Cincinnati fan, an MLS fan, somebody that you think would enjoy this. Pass it on over. 
Thank you so, so much again for listening. It blows me away that people continue to listen to us. And thank you so, so much again.